0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Deek Chats. Today I'm chatting with my friend Preston, better known to some of y'all as Brazil. How's
1: it going, Preston? It's going great. Um, I just had to pause and mute the stream because I had that open, and all of a sudden I was like, "Oh, it's double D." (laughs) (laughs) Double D,
0: you got to watch out for the double D. (laughs) It'll get you. (laughs) It will.
1: But yeah, no, it's uh, it's going all right today. It's doing, it's pretty good.
0: I'm glad okay. to hear that, man, and I'm really glad we we're able to connect this up, uh, Preston. I've I've had the the I, I've at disadvantage because I've known you through your content, and through a uh, tea time for years, it feels like, and um, I saw you um, on tea time on Mighty Teapots channel, um, Whenever the most recent one was. You guys did the commentary about the latest Guild Wars two story release. And um, you talked a little bit about what you've been up to since Guild Wars. And it seemed like you have really, um, in some ways, um, started living a life post-Guild Wars 2. And I thought there's a cool story to that. And I'd love to hear that story. Um, so maybe a good place to start, if you're okay with it, is just to start with the game. Like, how did you come to Guild Wars 2? Why? And how did things progress? Like, what? I know that you eventually fell out of love with the game. How did you fall in love with it? This
1: is an interesting story. Okay. So I was incredibly lonely. I was incredibly depressed. The backdrop of all of this is that... So I graduated high school in 2011. We'll just start there. High school is horrible. No friends. Hated every second of it. Got expelled twice. Um, It was a mess. Went to college. uh, Dropped out of college after half a semester because i hated it there because who likes school seriously like if you're playing video games you probably don't like school very much i'm a college dropout too so nice i I, uh, gave community college a try like two separate times hated it Mm -hmm. um and then like i was at a place in life i didn't really know anybody didn't really have any friends in high school to begin with. and so like i was just like i'm really depressed really lonely. I have no social outlet. Like I was watching some videos about like MMOs and online games and like Guild Wars two came up and I was like, mm-hmm. Oh shit. Like a guild. Like I could join a guild. I could have friends. That sounds cool. Word. Word. And so like I picked up Guild Wars two and like a couple of people that I knew from playing league of legends, uh-huh. like cause I did a lot of solo queue and stuff like okay. that. I had just met here and there. Uh, moved over to Guild Wars 2, and I was like, cool. Um, they told me to buy the game and come play with them. I kind of held off for a few weeks after it launched and went to Guild Wars 2 like maybe a month after launch. And then, like, they all had all stopped playing, and I was there <laughs> alone. So I was like, whatever. Oh, like, I'll just, so I paid $60 for this game. So I guess I'll just try to make the most out of it. Uh-huh. I guess I'll just like try to play it. So. I did my best, like, whenever I finally did join a guild, like, I had never played an MMO before. Okay. At all. Okay. I did not know that, like, you had to represent the guild and, like, get into guild chat and stuff to be able to see that. So I just joined the guild and thought, oh, nobody's talking to me. Like, I guess it's just business as usual. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so, like... After like a few hours, or like a, it may have been like a whole day, like a guy whispered me, he's like, Hey, any reason you're not representing? I was like, What's that? And so, you know, gaming got in the mumble with him, like uh-huh. they were kind of fun. Played Guild Wars 2 with them, that I wanted to do dungeons really fast because, like, I don't know, I like to do shit fast. And okay. I found DNT and joined DNT and. Was with DNT for a really long time and made some D&T good friends. DNT being That's death like,
2: and
0: taxes. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. A group of gamers that was famous long before Guild Wars too. Yeah, they were. Yeah. So did you have to like try out for DNT? Did they notice you? Like, what was that? What, what was that process like?
1: So there was a tryout like period for them, uh-huh. where like it was basically just like three of the like good players, like two officers and like one player that was like decent Uh Uh would take like two other people into a dungeon run and just see like how well they reacted to it and like how everything went. Uh And I think I got kind of lucky because the guy that was with me on my trial had no clue what they were doing. (laughs) And like, I had like kind of a clue what I was doing, like a little bit of a clue, but like it was really bad for the other guy. So yeah, one like of eating us the bear,
0: right? You don't have to be the fastest. You just got to be faster than the other guy.
1: Yeah, exactly. That was exactly <laughs> what it was like. Okay. And so anyways, like I found inspiration, like I actually like felt overwhelmed with anxiety about not being good enough. So I just mm. like left the guild one night mm. and like the two officers that I trialed with Lenny and Cherise, like, messaged me and like hey like we liked you like you're good and like what's up and so I didn't really believe them but I came back because I saw that they were like interested in me Mm -hmm. so like after that like I was with the guild and that got me into Guild Wars 2 content creation and into liking the game into being a giant gamer asshole and Mm -hmm. all kinds of stuff so Mm -hmm. that's uh that's where Brazil grew grew up Mm -hmm.
0: You mentioned uh, a few moments ago that you really like doing things fast and dungeons fast. Yeah. So I <clears throat> I didn't come into Guild Wars 2 until the lead up to Heart of Thorns. So okay. I, I, when, it, when it came out, I was living overseas and had no gaming setup. But I wonder if I could ask you to indulge me by telling me a little bit about the dungeon scene that existed in the earlier days of Guild Wars 2 because I completely
1: missed that. and I feel like it was kind of a cool thing. So there are a few facets to that. Uh the like core of it is there was for a really, really long time and still even a little bit like with raids, a big EU and NA divide Uh where like the EU people would just like, they were happy to just grind RNG for the fastest time with like the available strategies until they beat whatever a record run was. Okay. And they also loved exploiting, like jumping over walls, like, doing things that you just should not be able to do and that the devs definitely hadn't even probably thought of or found in testing. Like, they found some impressive stuff. And so, like, for them, it was, like, go fast at all cost and just grind as hard as we can until we get there. And on NA, it was very much, like, play by the rules. Everyone runs as a group. Like, we do all of the mechanics together, and we're just going to, like, be as structured as possible and do it as fast as possible. And, like, it was... To even put it even simpler, NA was, like, playing as a team as well and as polished as you possibly could. EU was five people soloing the dungeon at the same time. Got it. So it was just total chaos. So
3: but
0: it sounds, it sounds like EU was more about execution, and NA was more about, like, communication, maybe?
1: Yeah, and, like, refinement. And, like, okay. we would, like... Innovate a lot of stuff and find new strategies and new ways to do things. Mm -hmm. And so, like, we might come up with a strategy that saved like a minute off of a time. That's huge. And then, yeah, and we would be like satisfied and be happy with that. And then, EU would replicate that same strategy and just grind it out for like two weeks Uh until they beat us by like eight seconds. And then it's just like, well, fuck. We don't want to grind dungeons. I guess we'll just find a new strategy. And that uh-huh. was the competition after a while. Work smarter, like, not harder, huh? Yeah. <laughs> like, there was a website called GW2SCR that was, like, Guild Wars 2 speed clear records. And okay. it was Guild Wars speed clear records for Guild Wars 1. And, like, we developed, like, a Guild Wars 2, like, rule set, like, universal rule set, like, uh, restricted and non-restricted. So, like, restricted was, like, rules, like, no exploits, stuff like that. Um, Non-restricted was just do anything you want, Mm -hmm. like just at all costs, finish the dungeon as fast as you can. Um, And that was like, eventually like the unrestricted, like stuff kept getting patched slowly and slowly, like wall skips, like glitches, bugs would get fixed. And so people just kind of went on the, uh, uh, into the restricted rule set. And that's just kind of what we did from there. And then we tried to develop, like if you remember like the ERP raid tournaments, we hosted stuff similar for Dungeons. And it got, like, basically a little bit of support from Anet at the beginning. And then they realized that we don't want to support competition and elitism and anything in PvE. So they just pulled out and quit. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then it, just, it was hard to organize. And we just all quit caring.
0: OK, OK. So at that point, did you keep doing Dungeons? Did you still enjoy them? Or did the scene kind of die at that point?
1: I got pretty burned out on dungeons whenever like they added daily rewards to everything. So it was profitable just to do like every dungeon one after the other for like hours, right? Like every day, like six hours of doing dungeons and they were all the same. Like they were all like the annoying part about dungeons is that like the dumbest things can go wrong and ruin the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Like with raids, it's like no problem. Like, this mechanic happens poorly. You just GG and reset. Right. But like with dungeons, it's like, if you're in like sorrows embrace and you're on like, what is it? Oh fuck. What's the boss? The one that screams about Zadarajni in the armory. I don't remember its name, yeah. but like to get to that boss, you have skipped waves and waves of trash mobs that mm-hmm. will like basically one shot you. <laughs> and so if someone dies on that. Like, there's not, like, a waypoint or anything. Like, Mm -hmm. you either, like, you try to four-man through the encounter, and, like, you get to the next one, and that person's got to run back all by themselves. They're getting blown up. They're getting one shot. And it's basically just, like, give up, like, restart, or everyone runs back together again, and it just wastes a ton of time. Mm -hmm. Like, it was very intense and insane to, like, just do that stuff. Like, you had to execute really well. And, like, by the time you're, like... Four hours into it, and everybody's tired and getting angry at each other. It just sucked. And that really burnt me out on, <laughs> on Dungeons and Guild Wars 2. Mm-hmm. Fractals, oh my gosh, fractals were a whole other thing. That's literally like from inception to like where fractals are now is worth like its own entire like game arc. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's just, it was such a mess. It was mm-hmm. Such
0: a mess. Mm-hmm. So Fractals, for people who don't know and aren't Guild Wars too familiar, is the post-live implementation of five-man group PVE content. So they stopped making Dungeons after release and started making Fractals instead, which all have a centralized hub and some scaling mechanics. Um, If you've played Mythic Dungeons in WoW, there's some spiritual similarity there. And um, so before we talk about Fractals, I want to reflect personally on Dungeons too, because Dungeons were one of my, um, when I was starting, this would have been, like, like I mentioned, the lead-up to Heart of Thorns. Um, I actually, I was a little weird. Cause, so um, you mentioned this was your first MMO. Like, I had uh, a, my first MMO experience about a decade earlier with World of Warcraft, and I I hit it hard, and I got bitter, and I quit. You know, all the all stuff you do with your first MMO. Um, but this time when I came into it, it was different because I was playing with my wife. And she had never played a video game in, like, the last 15 years. Um, so first off, it was a miracle that I got her interested in the first place. And then a miracle that she stuck with it. And so when we were doing dungeons, it was very, like, oh, how can we make this fun? Because she is not a hardcore gamer. She's playing on a MacBook. She's doing her best. Um, and uh, But I, too, remember, like, trying to be, like, okay, like, if you're going to really get, get the most out of this, we, we should do this all, all the easy paths. And we decide what the easy paths were, and invariably we get through half of them and just be like, Yeah, I don't hate my life enough to go through the rest of these. <laughs> and um, you know, it's just interesting how incentives like the daily resets can drive behavior and uh make p- content that people like um unliked as a result. It's kind of a funny phenomenon, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, um, fractals. So um after uh, so even though dungeons were relevant in Guild Wars 2 for a while, um, uh, they were, in terms of live updates, basically replaced by Fractals pretty early on. And I know like, you've been through a few different iterations. I heard you tell a story about pushing Fractal level 80 in the initial iteration of Fractals. Um, so is that a story you want
1: to tell? Yes. Okay. I, I'll try not to drag it out forever. Okay. Much like the event it's- itself. Yeah. So (laughs) fractals when they launched were hard capped at level 40. Mm -hmm. You could only get up to fractal level 40 and now it's level a hundred. I think, I hope been a little bit. Last Um, night. Yes. It's, it's a hundred. And so anyways, they were hard capped at level 40 and like people were fractal level 40, like within like a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. And fractals when they were new it was three like little shards or, like three maps per fractal mm-hmm. and so you did like basically like it was completely random like there was no like you didn't know which one you were going to get so you would basically the strategy was just to like re-log out of the fractals until you got swamp for the first one right because swamp used to be incredibly fast um it still is but you would basically just re-roll and just pray that you didn't get like dredge or like any of the mm-hmm. other like shitty ones, like One snow ones. Oh, Yeah. Original yeah. snowblind. It was rough. <laughs> um, so anyways, in like AR, like he was important, but kind of not because AR, like there was some interesting stuff that happened with agony. Um, mm-hmm. AR maxed out the scaling at level 40 but like there were fractals that i did with people that would accuse me of being a bad player because i had a youtube channel and i'd be like i'll do level 40 fractals with no ar and like you could just dodge the agony attacks and like you never take agony damage from anything yeah but now it comes passively and so you kind of like have to have mm-hmm. it um yeah but it only came from like specific attacks um, another interesting like feature is that bosses had no agony resistance Hmm. and mesmer's old mimic skill used to like copy an attack (laughs) that like an enemy would do so like the legendary imbued grawl shaman would like shoot an arrow at you and if it hit you it did agony resistance but mesmer if you use mimic it would block it and absorb the arrow and you could shoot it back and one shot the boss (laughs) so like (laughs) Moss. Mossman's throw axe, like you could roll for swamp, <laughs> you could get th- Mossman, you could catch his throw axe, uh, go to the next fractal, and just one shot the next boss after uh-huh. you just burn Mossman and keep going. um <clears throat> That's fun stuff like that. They're all in like the same like, or at least they were at one point, all in the same map. So you could like start off with the char fractal, you could get all of the char at the beginning of it, fall through the floor to another map, or like keep them with you as you progress through like this weird bug and you could just have the char kill all the bosses for you. What? Like you could pull the dredge power suit. Oh yeah. Like the dredge power suit, you could get it stuck on a ramp and you could just AFK auto attack it from under the stairs and just kill it without ever doing any of the mechanics. It took a long time, uh-huh. but like who cares? Like it was literally AFK. Yeah, yeah. Um And also if you disconnected out of the fractal, you couldn't get back in. So, like, when you're progressing and you're, like, fractal level 39 and you disconnect at Jade maw Uh and you don't get, like, level 40, like, or maybe you could get back in. There was some interaction where, like, basically, like, you could get fucked on the level up because it Mm -hmm. wouldn't tick over, like, if you disconnected somehow I don't remember exactly how it worked. But then somehow he figured out that level 40 wasn't a hard cap and that it was a soft cap and you Mm -hmm. could keep going. And then they fixed the exploit. But you could still get past that if you had someone that was already higher level open it for you and then take you into it. So level 80 was actually the hard cap and agony never stopped scaling past 40 because I guess they figured they would just open it up at some point and change the numbers later. I don't know, but like basically a bunch of us got ready like we knew some people that like back in the day got to level 80 and like we didn't care and so whenever they were going to reset or whenever they were going to release the new fractal update and, like change it all we we're like fuck it we'll just get fractal level 80 mm-hmm. before the update and whenever they release it we will be max level already and we can just start of for fun um let me tell you something about like fractal level 80 like dredge fractal the like car that they all jump out of the right. number of enemies that came out of that scaled with the fractal level. Oh. So if you got dredge, it would literally take you 30 minutes just to do the clown car. Holy all shit. of the mobs that would hit you. It was basically a one shot. So like you're camping out with like three guardians and a short bow thief for like cluster bomb, weakness, spam and reflex. So like you don't just get one shot and like you go through it, like, you're like 25 minutes into the clown car and like a dredged Strazer like runs across the room with this rifle, turns and shoots you and everyone just starts dying. And you're like, cool, I guess we'll do it. Again. Um, that's so the warriors would hit you for 30,000 damage with their greatsword rush. Like it was the wild west. Like <laughs> you, it was content. You Hard weren't supposed bugged. to do. Yeah. And then the update came out and they just reset everyone anyways. All so right. we lost all of that progress after grinding it for like a month right
0: yeah so the big fractal revamp where they added they went from 50 to 100 and they did made a whole bunch of changes but uh yeah. so yeah it was all for naught except for the story
1: except for the story yep. yeah that's worth
0: something <laughs> wow okay um so uh the fractal revamp comes out um when was the fractal revamp i don't that was in 2015 wasn't it
1: before the expansion drop
2: yeah
1: it was before the expansion. It was the update was called fractured, right? And so like, if you wanted to pull the date, like you could find it that way. It was, yeah, fractured. And there was a, I think a cool trailer for it, but maybe not. Mm -hmm. But anyways, yeah, it was, I was really mad about that. I was really, really mad about that. Mm -hmm. And there were still a lot of bugs, like the fractal skins, you could get them. They wouldn't like unlock in the collection. There's just a lot of stuff wrong with it. And so Mm -hmm. I was just very unhappy. I'm surprised they've been able to turn that content around and make it into something that's really cool because it was just a shit show for years.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like whatever happened to make the Fractured Update, like it, to, to, to my perception, because I, I only got to play with old fractals for a few months before the Fractured Update. Um, mm-hmm. And not to the, I, I didn't get to, to 40. I, I didn't push it very far. Um, but. Um, yeah, my, my perception is that Fractals have now entered a really cool, stable place. So there's actually a lot of really great content there. And if you really care about pushing the boundaries of the game, there's a lot there for you. Mm-hmm. So, kudos to for that, but definitely a path. Um, speaking of paths, uh, and 2015, uh, the big news item out of 2015 for Guild Wars 2 is, of course, the expansion Heart of Thorns, which had been announced uh, nine months prior to its release. And, um, I know that you were big into the raid scene, raids, the very first wing of which dropped about a month after the expansion. And one of the big selling points of Heart of Thorns was, holy shit, Guild Wars 2 is getting raids and they're going to be 10 men Mm -hmm. and they're going to have raid bosses. And, um, as someone who used to run and play in raiding guilds in World of Warcraft back in the day, that was like a wind in my sails, dude. That was like, hell yeah, brother. Let's fucking go get it. I was playing the beta and I I spent hours and hours in the beta on on uh, on a Val Guardian and I was so happy that he was a pain in the ass to kill. I was so happy that he didn't just fall over. Um and uh when Heart of Thorns came out, that was one of the things I was most excited about. But I wonder if you could tell me about your experience with the expansion and particularly with getting into raiding, what that was like
1: um so like my whole thing with the expansion was I just wanted to play great sword on necromancer I really didn't care about anything else the reaper like yeah yeah what a cool spec that whole spec is so fun it is that was like that was all I really cared about yeah deep in my little heart (laughs) um but I like I thought raids were well done um like I'm glad that it took a while to like for anybody to be able to kill them at all Mm -hmm. um and then, like, I'm also glad that people figured out that, like, you didn't actually have to do updrafts to kill Gorsoval. Hmm. Like, I'm glad that, like, they've gotten so optimized, like, the longer that they've been out. and But at the same time, like, if you're a new player and, like, you have no raiding experience and you're yeah. with 10 people that have no raiding experience, like, the experience for you is basically going to be the same that it was for me whenever, like, raids were new to the game. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, like, this really cool, like, unique, bit of content that requires coordination and like a little bit of knowledge of what to do but like if you're good you can just I mean with some grinding you can get through it and get your legendary armor and yeah. then skin over it with something that looks better oh, but, legendary
0: armor that was also yeah. during the expansion right I mean there, in, in like, the lead up
1: I th- think it was I think Crystal Reed gave an interview at like PAX or I think it was PAX uh-huh. I think she was talking about legendary armor. Uh-huh. Um, I could be mistaken on this. I only vaguely remember it, but like as far as like things that were teased, like, and this is like slightly off topic, I guess, but it's like stuff that was teased with the expansion that was really off putting for me hmm. was like they teased like the new Borderlands and like that got cut, and they teased like a new PvP game mode that got cut. Oh, and yeah. like Strongly. raids. Ripped came out for a while and now there like aren't raids anymore. And like eventually like after like Wing Three, they kind of Wing Three was kinda like whenever they stopped really caring about raids. Like I think they still had a team that wanted to make them, but the studio was probably like, you can't do this anymore. Like just yeah. do what you have material for and we'll just push it out when we can. And mm-hmm. so it was just like, I don't know. Heart of Thorns I enjoyed the expansion a lot. I have a lot of very good memories for Heart of Thorns. Yeah, my overall experience was very positive, but there was just a, like quite a few important things that I think they honestly dropped the ball on. But you know, it does what it is, and it's in the past. Mm-hmm. I think what were some of the was good things. A- so like exploring, like the maps were huge. Yeah, and like it was just new stuff and like yeah. mechanics. You're like, whoa, there's never been anything like this. There was before. so much to contend with, right? Gliding. Yeah, it took forever
0: was. to unlock the gliding mastery and. Mm-hmm. and at, and no. when it came out the maps were were, were punishing
1: navigation yeah. the
0: mobs like mm-hmm. <laughs> it was not a place to fuck around and be
1: casual yeah it was it was really cool like that they added stuff like that and like big huge event chains that took a lot yeah. of coordination and like people talking in map chat and like organizing stuff not just like the troll in queensdale was up let's go kill it real fast it mm-hmm. was like for, like, two hours, you're, like, talking with the commander and, like, organizing and, like, planning. Like, okay, guys, like, we really got to do this. Like, don't fuck up North Octavine this time. Like, quit pulling the thing away from, you know, whatever. And, like, Octovine, like, everybody does Octavine all the time now. But, like, it took, like, a long time. It took, like, two weeks for anybody to even kill it and no one mm-hmm. knew what was happening.
3: Mm-hmm. Chalk
1: Jarrett. Chalk Jarrett took like probably like a month before anybody killed oh, it. Yes, like it was cool, like a world boss, like world bosses and doors too. Before that, like you just ran over them, like it was awesome. It was yeah. so cool.
0: OG Jarrett was a badass, mm-hmm. a fucking tyrant. Oh yeah, yeah, man. Um, but what heady days those were to go into those maps and have so much. So much community content with those meta with those those chains and those world bosses, one for each map, and to have actually like some decent long tail progression associated with most of it. um those were uh, I, don't, I don't know like I wasn't there for the launch of the game. So for me that that was like the real like hype moment for me. Um, yeah, and those yeah. those days were really fun. I remember feeling pretty I remember feeling a little disappointed at the start of twenty sixteen when they kind of went through and did a, a pass on all the open world stuff to make it a little more forgiving and to take some of the grind out of it. I don't know. Like I, I kind of, I kind of like a, an MMO experience with some sharp edges to it. I think I have mm-hmm. a weird streak in me that way. I wonder if you feel that way too.
1: No, I, I agree. Like I get bored very easily just in general. And so like, if there's like, if I can't, like if something's boring, like I'll try to find a way to make it interesting or volatile to keep mm-hmm. me engaged. And then if it can't keep me engaged, I'll just do something else. Sure. Um, I won't spend any time there, but like Guild Wars 2 has like, I've always like, I found that I could like kind of find a group of friends and like play with them in Guild Wars 2 and like the community aspect and like just kind of hanging out with people and like yeah. doing stuff. Like I, that's always been my favorite part about the game. That's what mm-hmm. pulled me out of being depressed like that's why i started playing the game in the first place and like heart of thorns helped a lot with that um but like if a game is super easy and i can just like like i don't really do dungeons anymore mm-hmm. like if i do dungeons i do it with like a level 30 new players like i'll go in with like a friend and post an lfg and say like anyone welcome ask colonian catacombs uh-huh. and like uh-huh. just try and like let them have fun and like them when they die and like i get to play reaper because nobody cares uh-huh. and it's like a it's a fun good time like stuff like that but I like I like I like the raids I like the challenge I like the hard stuff.
0: Yeah. And that's one of the things that I love most about um that period of the game when the raid community was just starting to come together at least my perception mm-hmm. of it. Um, and I was a bit of an outsider but um you know people were coming together to try to solve problems. I, I my observation tends to have been in MMOs. You know we, we've seen like a, a an effect over the years I think where Uh, the focus of, um, generally speaking, uh, it seems like there's been a drift towards having um, games that are focused on solo experiences over group experiences. And in order to do that, what seems to happen, at least from what I can tell, is you make it so that the the most rewarding or interesting problems in the game can be solved by individuals instead of needing groups to be solved. And for me, raids were like, oh, you have a problem that takes a community to solve. And so, you and so the communities form naturally. And when those communities come together, you get experiences like what you described, where you can have a crew of guys and girls who are just like your people. And the game mm-hmm. becomes not just, not just a, like a level in a game, but it becomes a world with people and change. And that, 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 that glimmer of meaning is always what's fascinated me too.
1: Yeah. No, like finding that there are like bigger things than just the game mm-hmm. and like being a part of something like that's, that's I think the real magic of it all, the magic of the internet and all that shit and whatever. Oh yeah. But, oh, yeah. yeah. Cool, man. Well, you, you, so that was some good stuff
0: you liked about it. What about stuff that really let you down?
1: Um, Legendary armor was the biggest thing and the one that immediately comes to mind because it just did not come out for so long. Mm-hmm. And when it yeah. did come out, it was, there were a lot of excuses around it. There were a lot of things that were just like, I don't think that's true. I think you're lying about this. Mm-hmm. Just that, like, I literally, like, I got kicked out of the partner program over it. Like, I mm. was, that was a whole thing. Um, but I think I got kicked. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I got. I don't even remember at this point, And I okay. also just don't really care. I'm pretty okay. sure I got kicked out of the partner program over the legendary armor stuff. Mm-hmm. But it was just like, Really? Like we wait like all this time and the medium armor has a Cape. And the reason you said the medium armor has a Cape, it's not even just a Cape. It doesn't have a Cape until you like draw your weapon. Right. And then the Cape comes out of it. And the reason it has a Cape is because all of the professions have a silhouette Uh and medium Uh armor has a silhouette. And that's why there's so many trench coats that makes a lot of sense if you ignore the fact that you can buy an outfit in the gym store and make every class look exactly the same,
3: mm-hmm.
1: or that you can turn on standard character models and the competitive game modes and that legendary armor isn't for a competitive game mode. It's for PVE where skins mm-hmm. are all that matter. So like, I'm, I'm not a particularly intelligent person. I'm just really <laughs> good at like troubleshooting and taking things apart. Okay. So like the Sounds first time I be. watched that, well, well, I guess like, I guess we could get into like my definition and like idea of like what intelligence oh, actually. Pin that for is. later. Yeah, later on. Right. But like, I was just like, I watched it the first time and I was like, okay, I probably need to watch this a second time. And I watched it a second time and I was like, I have some problems with this. And I watched okay. it again and I was like furious. I was like, you've got to be fucking <laughs> yeah. kidding me. Okay,
0: let's let's pause and and paint and create a foundation for this because this is. Because you've published, I think, four different videos, and I've seen them all, um, (laughs) about this topic. So um, I'm I'm going to do everyone a favor to create some context so that we can all know what we're talking about. So um, like I mentioned, uh, we we think that the the armor was teased alongside the tease of the raids. So there's anticipation. Oh, what is legendary armor? Guild Wars 2 was a game at this point that only had legendary weapons. What made them legendary was their cost, number one. Number two, they tend to have some phenomenal effect, like they're really flashy and beautiful. So that created a high expectation for the visuals of the armor, to have like like sunrise quality armor, that kind of thing. Um, and Sunrise being the iconic great store that you see on so many Guild Wars 2 screenshots, including many of my own. Um, and additionally, um, they have the ability for you to, uh, after you've forged the weapon, change the stats on the fly. Which could be useful if you want to use the same weapon in multiple builds. More useful for armor, I think, than it is for weapons. And additionally, we learned that uh, legendary armor would have the ability to change runes without consuming them. Which up till this point, if you wanted to change the the rune on your armor, which if you're not a Kill Wars Two player, is kind of like a it's kind of like a gem that has a unique effect. Um, you would destroy the one that was in the armor already. Legendary armor. It just slides right off back into your inventory, baby. So that's what we were told. Um, and then like you mentioned, um, it didn't come out at the time that Wing 1 was released. It didn't come out when Wing 2 was released. It didn't come out when Wing 3 was released. And this whole time, the recipes were actually published ahead of time on the wikis. So people knew how to work towards it. and People were, were accruing legendary insights, which were the main gated material there was, of course, a material cost that's similar to, for all six pieces of armor, roughly one weapon. So, um, but that wasn't the piece that most people cared about, was the insights, because you needed to kill 150 bosses, one insight, one boss, in order to get there. So you have these players who, who are raiding, they've killed 150 bosses, they don't know what they're working towards, but they know it's legendary, there's this big buildup, and then... We, get the, we have a, a live stream or a pre-recorded segment between Ruby Bear, who's the community content manager, and um, Paul Ella, who was a producer with Arena at the time, who we learned um, a few things from. Um, one of the more interesting ones being that Legendary Armor um, had been worked on for two years, or as they put it, one year twice, because apparently after a year, they just scrapped everything they had because it didn't cut the mustard. Um, and, uh, and then they set us through a bunch of things about it, and uh, um, I've rewatched your content, uh, Preston, and th- there there did seem to be some discrepancies. I wonder if you want to highlight a few more of those. Um, I'll let you take up the narration from here. <clears throat> yeah. Also, correct so, me if I missed anything.
1: No, that's like that's basically it. Okay. Um, like, I guess like <laughs> I the can first tell thing you that, still
0: feel pain over it.
1: <laughs> yeah, and there's so much to unpack. Like (laughs) one of probably the first thing is that the live stream they did with the armor, there was a problem with the color on the stream and it looked incredibly similar, if not identical to at the time, like it wasn't reshade or anything. Mm -hmm. There was sweet effects and it looked pretty much identical to a sweet effects preset. Mm -hmm. And so I saw that and was like, oh, my God like they're trying to use like a graphics injector to make the armor look better because like the armor had leaked ahead of time and people knew what it looked like. Mm -hmm. Like it got out somehow and like people saw it. Everyone was already mad about the trench coat. And so like, anyways, Paul's on there talking about how you can dye the glow channels and the glow will persist. And like, he's dying stuff and it's not changing, but Mm -hmm. like there's a greater contrast in the color And it's like, wait, like this isn't right. Like what's going on? Mm -hmm. And so like I accused them of using a sweet effects preset and they got really mad over that. They're like, of course we wouldn't modify our game. Uh And someone who like, I still don't want to name their name. I don't think they are at the company anymore, but like just out of respect for them. um, It's someone Mm -hmm. who was in a position that would have known if they were or were not using it. And they said, hey, look, man, like, Mm -hmm. yeah, they were like, you didn't hear this from me. But it was actually like a hardware issue with like the screen recording that caused the game to look weird. And like since then, like I've gone back and like if you look at the uh trailer for like the Reaper for Heart of Thorns, mm-hmm. the Reaper has that same like color discrepancy, like it mm-hmm. looks weird. And, and so presumably. Yeah. Yeah. There's like this there was some issue that was happening. And I guess they didn't have time to re record everything. I don't really know. Um, but anyways, that is what it is. And like that's something that I'll own. Like, I'm happy to say, like, my bad guys, I accused you of this, and this wasn't what it was. It's like, cool. Yeah, but there but was still some something the,
0: wrong, and you did identify it, even though yeah. your your suggestion of what it could be was, didn't hit the mark. It's still worth calling out. And why why is it important that the colors were off? Why, why does that read? Why does that make – why is that upsetting?
1: So because of, like – so we had the silhouette argument, where it was like, oh, and this is why the armor has a trench coat, blah, blah. Yeah. blah. Um, we had the, like – you can dye the glow channels and the glow will stay whenever you stow the armor and draw it out. And that wasn't true. And you can watch right. the live stream and that doesn't happen on the live stream. Yeah. You um, see
0: Paul talking through saying here, um, here's this part of the armor. It's like a, like a crystal thing. And if you, if you apply a die to this die channel, it'll change. And then it doesn't like appear to change. Like he says it's happening and, and clearly it's not. I went back and watched that too.
1: And you're right. You're right. So, It was like, we have things that are just like, obviously not true. I won't Mm -hmm. say that they're lies, I guess they felt like lies to me. And then you have this, like, it's just stuff that didn't add up and stuff that was not true, just started to pile and stack and stack and stack. Mm -hmm. And then a couple of people, like a couple of friends of mine and like myself, we found this bug where like, you can disable like a headpiece or like gloves um, with a little check mark in your hero panel, like turn them on and off of your character.
0: Right. The the visibility of the helm, that kind of stuff.
1: Yes. And if you spam click on that little check mark and hide and unhide your armor piece, toggle the visibility, if you do that fast enough and for long enough, you'll crash yourself and other people around you because oh, it just loads and unloads the effects. That was the bug. So, yeah, I knew there people was were, yeah, like you could crash Dragon Stand if you took your legendary oh, armor God. into a Zerg. And just like auto clicked it. Like you could crash people out of like that. Like I had a video about it that like maybe you saw that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it's just like you don't know really what's happening. But like with that context behind it, you can see how it's actually a problem. And that video exists because like we voiced concerns on Twitter and said, hey, this is a problem. Like you can crash people out of the game. Mm-hmm. And they literally said on Twitter, it's not a problem. Like this doesn't happen That's not true. So I said, fuck you. I'll just record a video and put it on my YouTube channel and everyone can see that it actually happens. Mm. And so.
0: Sounds like that might've be the thing that got you kicked from the partner program. If I can hazard a guess.
1: It (laughs) it was, they didn't like me because like, and like, I'll just be real. Like, I'll just be honest. Like I was an asshole. Like I was, I was the guy that like my personality is just like, I'm not going to take shit from you. like, Mm come on. Like, if you want to throw hands, let's throw hands. Let's do it. Like, let's, let's just go, let's just talk and let's just get it out and let's Fight not it pull out. Any Punches, Yeah. Yeah. And so like, unfortunately that type of personality does not fit in particularly well with the guild wars Two is the friendliest community in all of the MMOs. Mm. So like, I mean, I have a little bit of an edge. I'm a rough guy. Like I've lived through a lot of bullshit in life mm. that, you know, we can talk about later, but like, I have never like had the desire to just like let things like that sneak past, especially when they just blatantly feel dishonest. And so I called them out on it and I Mm -hmm. was like, I was very loud about it and they didn't like it. And so they said, well, I mean, we don't have to let you be in the partner program. Like the big precursor that got them to not like me was a tea time. We did a long time ago. Mm -hmm. Um, and like, I was just brutal in that. Like I said, a lot of things that were just like, unprofessional would be like the nicest way to put it. Okay. Like they were just like insulting mean. I remember I was in a movie theater like later that afternoon Mm -hmm. and I got a notification that Ruby followed me on Twitter and I knew I was in trouble when that happened. (laughs) And so like, I was like, she doesn't care about me. Like what's going on. And Mm -hmm. so anyways, I got home, checked my computer and there was a big email from the partner program saying like, uh, 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 you can't be mean. Like, this is a nice game. you are insulting. like you can't mm-hmm. say those things. Mm-hmm. And so I just replied back and said, hey, like basically like people are mad at the game. people want refunds. like you guys need to pick up your like slack like stop fucking up And that's basically what I replied back to them. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm not gonna apologize. like it's all true. Sorry. Mm-hmm sorry is you know apology but like anyways so they didn't like me after that they didn't do anything to punish me yeah but the legendary armor was like that was like yeah we're gonna get rid of this guy now we need to get rid of him yeah
0: once is an so. anomaly twice is a pattern that kind of idea yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 man I hear you
0: um yeah it's interesting like I think that you mentioned yet yeah, that you, you kind of want to have this kind of want to fight it out instinct and you know if like if you and me have a disagreement we can actually fight it out right here and it makes <laughs> sense because, like, I mean, like, who gives a shit? Like, I I just stream stuff, and you, you know, are someone who used to make Guild Wars two stuff, and who, it doesn't matter. Um, it's interesting though when the person or the the party you want to fight is like a game company. It's not really a person. It's yeah. like this big thing that has that has stakeholders and investors, and like it, cha- it totally changes the stakes of all the communication. Um, and communication is one of those things that uh, you know, like, I think about communication. So here's here's something I learned. Um, when I was playing... Sorry, this is a tiny... hope I'll keep this a very compressed tangent. see if I can keep it short. Um, I started to play uh, WoW Shadowlands when it came out. World of Warcraft Shadowlands, the most recent expansion. Um, like I mentioned, I was a longtime WoW player, but hadn't played the retail game in over a decade since I, since I met my uh, my wife, actually. Um, okay. And... Um, but I wanted to see how what, what it was doing and uh, how the game had changed over the years. So I jumped in, and one of the things I learned is that World of Warcraft sets of super clear expectations about the fact that you're gonna get dungeons man you're gonna get raids you're gonna get you're gonna get PvP battlegrounds you're gonna get arenas like that's the game and yeah there are maps but if you actually want to like invest yourself into something like you kind of know what you're gonna get the next wow expansion is gonna have all those things but when it comes to guild Wars 2 I feel like we never know or have known what to expect and uh... It's something that I think is a source of a lot of frustration.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree. It's I still like, and even now still a little bit like I want to see the game do well and I want to see the game succeed. Yeah, yeah. And like, I've always wanted that. I've just like had the like weird twisted kind of approach of like, I just get really angry and call out the stuff that like I see that I don't like Mm -hmm. in hopes that like, Having a voice of dissent will help things like it's great to be happy. And like, I mean, my definition of constructive criticism and arena nets different like definition of constructive criticism are very clearly different things. Mm -hmm. Um, Because like their definition is like, you have to tell us a good job and you have to be happy. That's constructive criticism. Mm. Like my definition of constructive criticism is if something is very bad, I will tell you in excruciating detail how bad it is. And if you don't listen to me, I'll probably get mad at you. Which, like, mm. both of those are flawed. They're both flawed in their own ways. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's just, like... The the trailer for Heart of Thorns didn't even say raids. So it just said challenging group content. Oh, you're right.
0: Correctly. And it showed a little bit of, of all I think, if I remember right.
1: Something like that. Like, yeah. there was speculation like oh yeah it has to be raids but they only like when in the announcement like Mm -hmm. they just said challenging group content Mm -hmm. like it wasn't raids until like a while after the announcement interesting i forgot about that okay (laughs) and and so like what the fuck is challenging group content is that
0: like hard mode
1: dungeons is it a new
0: fractal like Uh what is it and why would they hedge that way what's your interpretation of that
1: I don't know. Like their communication policy, like it makes absolutely no sense to me. They will be incredibly open about stuff. Sometimes people will have a reaction to it and then they won't say anything for like an entire year.
3: Hmm.
1: And then they'll pop out with a few features. They'll say like, here are three new features that we're going to do over time. One of them will never happen. Um, One of them they'll not say anything about for months and then it'll show up and one of it will show up like really quickly and it'll be half-assed. So like world versus world alliances. Like when was the last time they said oh, anything about that? And like That's when was it sore announced? One. Fuck. Yeah, it was, it's a big one. So <sighs>
0: it's uh coming up on two years since the Ice brood Saga announcement at the Moore Theater, yeah. which yeah. I yeah. I went to because I'm local.
1: I I yeah, you talked about that in the Teapot interview. Oh, yeah, yeah? i Tried to go back and watch the Ice brood Saga announcement because I have very little memory of it, even though I mm-hmm. watched it live. Like I watched it on stream. When it happened? And like I couldn't finish it, I was just like, I don't want to watch this. This is like yeah. it's a sales pitch for Funko Pops. Like why? Like I don't. Why would you do this? Why would they do this?
0: Yeah, I have, I, I've, you know, so you probably heard me struggle through that um, when I was talking to Teapot yeah. last year. Um, I, ha- I have some, I have some new thoughts on that. Um, okay, and I, I definitely think we could get there in this in this conversation, but it's a whole new thing, and uh, like. Um, I guess if I could briefly summarize without going into excruciating detail, it would be that... Um, so, like, I have ADHD. Okay. Um, it's not a secret. Most people know about it. But most people don't really know what ADHD means, especially if you don't have or know someone or love someone who does. Um, so the way it manifests differently for everybody, it's a, a spectrum, right? And it's not just severity, it's type. Um, so the H in ADHD sensor hyperactivity, which not everyone displays. Um, but... One way to understand ADHD is that it is, um, essentially, there's a part of your, um, your mind um, that can be, uh, um, um, let me do this justice. So working memory, which is your ability to hold things in the front of your mind and work on them actively. It's like short-term memory, working memory. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been shown it can be broken down into most people into verbal working memory, the ability to rem- remember phone numbers, that kind of stuff or nonverbal working memory, yet the ability to visualize things and put things together in your mind visually. And people with ADHD, generally speaking, have pretty bad nonverbal working memory, which means literally their ability to visualize the way thing a thing can happen and get done in the moment kind of sucks. The result of that, like for me, is that I tend to have a very overdeveloped verbal, uh, uh, sorry, verbal working memory. Um, but if I need to get something done, if I don't write it down, I'm fucked. And <laughs> and what I tend to describe ADHD as for me is not necessarily an attention deficit, but an intention deficit. So if I have an idea or something I care about, most people who have an idea, something they care about, will keep it in mind as they go about their day or their thing and they won't forget about it. Oh, I need to do this. Don't forget about this, Greg. You know, you have a podcast tomorrow, don't forget to do some research, don't forget to watch those videos. If you have ADHD though, those things fly out of your mind. The ability to sustain an intention is just not there. Um, one of the upsides of this is I'm terrible at holding grudges. Because I literally <coughs> cannot keep in the front of my mind why I'm pissed off at somebody. Like, if I think back about it, I can remember it. But there's a difference between having it being like your short-term memory and living there versus kind of being long-term storage. So, um, And sometimes when I look at the track record of some of these things that you've talked about with Guild Wars... Um, I, I, I kind of see like a organizational level ADHD where it's like, oh, we have this great idea, guys. It's rates. It was this great idea, it strikes. We have this great idea, it's X, Y, Z. And these are actually great ideas most of the time. Um, like seriously, amazingly cool stuff comes out of that studio. Um, but then where's the intention over time to develop these things and what should we expect? Maybe we should expect these things to be like a a one to two year thing and then they're legacy content and something new replaces it. That's okay. But maybe we should be told that. I don't know. Um, And when I compare it to like Shadowlands, which I think lives like on the opposite end of the spectrum, it's ordered. Like, you know, you're going to get your raids, your mythic dungeons, blah, blah, blah. It's very rigid in that way. And if that's what you want, if you want to have an expectation that gets hit, that's, a, that, that's there for you. Guild Wars 2 is like a place where like, you just never know what's gonna happen. And if, you're, if you love the chaos, if you survive in the chaos, if you love that, that's great. But if you wanna create a community around something, if you want to have an experience that you can kind of come back to and progress over time long-term, man, it can be rough. And that's, that's my own story of I think why I eventually um, tapered off the experience in the last few years. But this isn't about me, man. Um, I've been flapping my gums for a little while at this point. Um, so that's like, oh, God. Bro, I'm so awful at tangenting. So You were asking about Ice Brewed Saga in the announcement. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So the question in my mind then is why, why isn't there the continuity of intentions from the studio and those communicated out to us? and the why's could be that's just the way that the studio works like they just they're not about having these pillars of the game that are the these, these immutable things like it's creative maybe that's it or maybe there's stuff we don't get to know about um shifting forces investors saying xyz publishers all that good stuff um and we know about some of these things because of like the layoffs and whatever but when i showed up to the iceberg saga announcement like i guess The main takeaway I had from last year, which is what I still have, is that it wasn't intended to announce Guild Wars 2 content.
1: It felt very much like going back and watching it. Like, there was a time slot, and it's like, yeah, go ahead. Just figure something out. Jam it all in there. Yeah. And, like, it was honestly just kind of like, I don't know how to respectfully put it, but it just wasn't very good. Mm-hmm. Um, there wasn't anything about that announcement that made me excited for what was coming in Guild Wars 2 mm-hmm. it only made me more cynical and like in my like evil little mind I guess like reinforced the idea that I had been right the whole time and Guild Wars 2 fucked and like I mean like it just made, made your hate boner that much more turgid <laughs> a little bit yeah that's a good <laughs> way to put it and yeah. so it just like I was just like whatever like it, yeah it's not the first thing they've done like the first time they've done something weird they've had a lot of weird like i think if i could probably just try to like reasonably like analyze and like figure out like reverse engineer like how guild wars 2 has gotten to where it is probably like they had some really good ideas and they probably Mm -hmm. had a phenomenal like sales pitch for the game Mm -hmm. like we're gonna revolutionize the mmo gaming is going to a mobile platform but we're gonna make everyone want to play games on the pc again
3: mm-hmm.
1: and like they probably had this like big successful and like nc soft is probably like hell yeah you guys have like two years to try whatever you want and we'll give you money and you guys just do it and we'll see it take off and like i think the foundation for the game and the engine and a whole bunch of stuff was just a mess probably the tools that they Wow, I have heard some stories about some of the tools that the developers used. Uh-huh. Like, I kid you not, and like I'm not gonna name a name, but there was a dev that like I was fairly friendly with. Okay. Um and he told me that there was a tool that had a bug in it. Every time he would open the tool, it would say, It's been seven days plus, and there was a variable for how many days had gone by since the bug had been reported. And it named like, it's been like seven days plus X number since this problem has been reported to Colin Johansson and some other name, please get this fixed. And like every time you would load the tool, it would show that message. And every day the counter would tick over and it would just add one to the number.
2: Uh
3: huh.
1: And like every time you fucking like loaded the tool, it was there. And so it's just like, wow, like, what the fuck's going on with this? Like, I don't know, like, what they're working with. Like, Tactical and that's just step, like, a, yeah, that's a big meme. Like, that was that was really eye-opening to hear about. Yeah. It was just kind of like, that's that's kind of funny. Like, I love that, like, programmer, coder, like, passive aggressiveness, like, monotone, kind of like, you know. <laughs> that's like, a real that, jab. Like,
0: Taking something like that into, that, a, into a tools build.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like, it was kind of cool, but...
0: Yeah, like, I... Like, I don't know. Like I, I have a lot of sympathy for the tools developers uh, for that situation in general because, like, I have I have a job as well that relies on internal tools, like internal tech tools, and um, they are just they're only as the minimally as good as they have to be because that's the only effort yeah. anyone's willing to put into them, and the number of problems that causes is can just be so frustrating, um, and the eternal problem when you're. When you're making something, um, and you have tools you need to make stuff today, um, is it's like you're you're standing on the front of the train car and putting down the tracks in front of you, and you can't stop the train, but you still need to fix the tracks. It's a it's just fucking tough. Yeah, yeah
1: it's just like I've seen some interesting examples of like outdated tools and stuff in the real world too, which I don't like. Maybe that's not worth getting into, but like it's just like. All of this is to say, like, I don't know, like, what it was like in there. Like, I never worked in the company. I worked with the company. And, like, I can only, like, infer and, like, take well-educated guesses maybe sometimes. Mm. And so, like, I'm sure that there are people that had it rough. I'm sure that it sucked a lot. There are probably a lot of days that people didn't want to come into work because they knew that they are going to have to have a meeting about Reddit comments. (laughs) Can you imagine,
0: bro? Oh, thank God. I don't have to deal with that yeah oh my god
1: it's i mean like i don't know like i now i try to think about the people that work at the company a little bit more like i still get mad about stuff but you mm-hmm. know it is is what it is and like i think they really tried to be passionate and communicate and i think they really bit off a lot more than they could chew at the mm-hmm. launch of the game mm-hmm. living story one and i think like they were trying to do a whole lot and they're probably like competing for ideas and like yeah this team has a good idea this week let's do that let's mm-hmm. I guess this update is just going to be signposts, which is the big meme. like Flame and Frost. Li-
0: yeah. yeah, yeah. I watched a like, wooden potatoes video he did recently about the, the top yeah. biggest fails, and that was his number one. And I, I like the way he contextualized his picks because he was like, the, the things that did the most damage to the, the player base at the time they happened, and that being the first major story release um, mm-hmm. after the vanilla game. And everyone was like, oh, that's what we're doing all right, I guess I'm good then.
1: And there was some like legitimately cool stuff, like in the flame and frost like series, Mm -hmm. like going with Bram to like his, like his village, his like homestead and like saving his friends.
3: That was cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: Um, like meeting rocks and like finding frostbite. Like that stuff was like really neat. Like I, like I enjoyed all of that content. Mm -hmm. I thought it was like, I give the guild wars two story a lot of shit. Mm -hmm. Like, all of the time, because I think overall it's been absolutely just abysmally bad, but like stuff like that. I enjoyed, I enjoyed like Cragstead and like meeting the characters and like new things are happening and we don't know what they are. And like the speculation of like, what's the flame, what's the frost. And then it ended up being scarlet and dredge. And it's like, that sucks. (laughs) But like there were points where it was cool. Like one of my fondest memories of the game, like with, living world was the Karka queen in South sun Cove ah. because that whole like weekend was wild because mm-hmm. I had made an agreement to go with like this kid that I knew from high school. He wanted people to come to his choir performance because he was like a choir student in a university and he's really pumped out, like pumped up about it. Cool. And so like I, I drove with his mom to Kansas the weekend that Karka Queen was happening. And I was incredibly mad the entire time because I wasn't <laughs> getting to play Karka Queen. It's the Lost Shores so release, right? It was the Lost Shores release, yes. Okay. And so anyways, we get back into town with like a few hours like left in it. Hmm. And like the maps are all crashing. And apparently it had just been a shit show the entire time. Oh, yeah. Apparently people were getting... pre. There was a guy in d that was like big time exploiter. Like mm-hmm. he knew how to do everything in the game. Like the reason I knew anything about the fractal stuff was literally because of him. Okay. Like he figured, he figured out all this shit. Got it. And so he's the black cat. Yeah, basically. And so he figured out how to get into multiple maps mm-hmm. and like how to get the chest multiple times. And like, he figured out that you could get into the map, loot the chest and crash out of the map. And they would send you a chest in the mail because it detected that you crashed and the instance didn't complete. So he figured out how to like double up on the chest. And he had like, he opened chest and chest and chest from overflow and overflow and overflow and males and males and males. And he was literally like sending us screenshots of like every character he had, had every precursor weapon in every slot that it could possibly have. Like even the <laughs> underwater stuff. Cause he got them all those drops and he was like, I can't even be bothered to list the stuff on the trading post anymore. Just the I'm just going to
3: equip it. Yeah. Fuck.
1: So, like, I don't know how many chests he opened, but he was like loaded after that. Yeah, And so like, he was a fun guy. Like he was an interesting guy. <laughs> apparently, a animal. To, yeah. Like apparently also he went to prison for, like gang violence or something, like this weird guy, interesting wow. guy, okay, yeah, bit of character, yeah, huh? but, yes, that was the last I ever heard of him, oh. and so or heard about him that he went to prison for something gang related. Yeah. <laughs> but
0: I'm glad it wasn't for Guild Wars 2 related stuff,
1: yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then preacher jail. God, He told me, he was like, I have a degree in material science from MIT but I just got high the whole time and I don't remember anything like that's like he, he said he had a job interview and like the people are asking him questions. He's like, I just straight up told him in the interview, like I really didn't pay attention in college and I don't know how I got the degree, but it'd be cool if you gave me a job. And obviously they said no, but Ah. like, Mm -hmm. that's like, wow, this, I haven't thought about that stuff in like a long time, but he was cool. He was cool.
0: (laughs) Sounds like a good guy to party with. (laughs)
1: Yeah, definitely. (laughs) But yeah, like ArenaNet, okay. like in their direction. Like, I don't know, in their communication. Who knows, who the hell knows what they're doing? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I just hope that, like, I hope that End of Dragons, like, really is successful. Oh, it would be yeah, fun to too. go back and to have a good time with that. Me too. Hey,
0: let me bounce a the theory off of you.
1: Yeah. I'm curious if this, if this tracks
0: at all. Um, so a few weeks ago, I went back and I just, um... I, I played the new story release, and it was the Dormag vs. Primordus, and, uh... It was like uh, kind of like the Game of Thrones season eight of Guild Wars two almost. Um, we're just like we fast forwarded a bunch of stuff and got to an endpoint because it needed to get there. And there were actually a couple really cool things about it. But uh, and I think having a, an instance world boss that works the way that it does is pretty cool. Um, but anyway, uh, but I went back and I and I reacquainted myself with, with the other dragon stories and how they progressed and. Um, I really realized how powerful the season four arc with Kragtoric and Oren was, um, at least from a storytelling perspective, from a narrative perspective. But that 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 exploration led me to think about like looking at the structure of the major um, content agendas that the has had for Guild Wars Two over the years and try to put them in context. Like, because the big question in my mind is that I I don't yet have an answer to, but I'm very interested in, um, is why was there not an expansion announced at the end of season four? Right? I feel like the answer to that question t- can tell a lot of truth. Uh, season four ended. Um, we get this beautiful cutscene, right? I don't know if you played it or not, but um, we. Kalkatorik, the big daddy, granddaddy dragon that has been terrorizing the story for years and years and years, is dead. Oreen, has ascended. And you get this huge dramatic orchestral upswell and there's just really amazing moment. And it's like, all right, thanks for playing our game. Like the credits could have rolled. It would have felt right. And no and unlike all the other previous seasons, there's no breadcrumb for the next piece of content. There's no, here's what's next. And then months later we get the iceberg saga announcement. It's like, what? What the heck? Yeah. So we had, before before that content piece came out, the end of season four. Three months earlier, we had the big layoffs where ArenaNet lost like a third of their studio in terms of manpower, and some unannounced projects were shuttered. Um, and I thought about the timeline a little bit, and um, so that was 2019, early 2019. Um, go back to um, when did season two start? Because in my head, I kind of put season two and Heart of Thorns together. I wouldn't be surprised if at the same time there's a decision to make an expansion. That's when season two was kind of starting up as well. Um, so that would have been 2014, right? When season one finished and everyone that realized we can't make season one anymore. Like this doesn't work. This model of FOMO content doesn't work. Let's change mm. things. So they they gained a new posture. They decided internally, okay, we're gonna make an expansion. We know it takes like 16 months to a couple years, like 18 months to a couple years to make an expansion. So that lines up timeline-wise with the, the late 2015 release. And then make season two to bridge the gap. Um, so we have expansion, living world. Immediately after that, after a little bit of a lull, everyone catches their breath, we launch into living world, expansion, living world. But I want to think about that timeline too, because 2014 is five years. 2014 to 2019 is a five-year gap. Which is about the same amount of time it take took to make Guild Wars two, and what little I know about game development suggests that in the early stages of a game, usually you have a smaller number of people, core contributors, who are conceptualizing, designing. And as a game gets closer and closer to fruition, you have more and more people on it. So if a, a project like that was killed just before completion or when it was getting up there, that, that's where you would see a lot of people um, lose their uh, their day job, like we saw in twenty nineteen. So I have this hypothesis in my head that at the same time Season 2 and Heart of Thorns were decided upon, whatever was supposed to happen after Guild Wars 2 was also picked or chosen. And we got Heart of Thorns and Season 2, and then after that, the two living world seasons that straddled Path of Fire, and then it was supposed to be whatever's next. And now, and then they had to scramble because, of course, okay, this project's not going to happen. What are we going to do? We, what, we, we're, we're directed to make more Guild Wars too. Okay, what can that be? We, we don't have the budget to make an expansion, so we have to make more Living World. How can we pitch that to our player base, who were just given a Living World season and are used to having alternating Living World and expansions? How do we pitch this? Oh, it's Living World, but it's like an expansion. This is exactly what they tell us. And then um, as soon as something changed, and we're not sure what that was, all of a sudden it's like, oh, expansion time. Let's have an expansion. What Bobby said when I talked to him, Bobby Stein, the associate narrative director, said, we got the chance to work on an expansion. So it's like, it's not like they didn't want to do it. It's not like there was an interest at the studio. It's like there is some kind of high level decision. Um, and all of a sudden, that's when things change. And the Iceberg saga was kind of fast forward. And we end up with this uh, the end of the arc. So like, I guess what that ridiculous calculus suggests to me in a completely lay person and don't have a standing of having this opinion kind of way, is that the time when it make when it would make sense for ArenaNet to plan a new project to eventually progress away from Guild Wars 2 would have been in 2019. And to me, I'm thinking five years is what it takes to make a project. So 2019 to 2024 would be the five years, um, But let's say they're able to cannibalize something of what they had for the previous project. Maybe cut it down by a year, 2024, let's say. So what year is it now? 2021. We're going to get End of Dragons. Mm -hmm. So End of Dragons will come out later this year, probably. Maybe early next year, although that would be a long time to wait. And And then between then and 2023, we have about enough time for End of Dragons and one very long living world season. And that is my current best guess about what has happened at the studio and what can happen in the future. And it's probably wrong in 15 different ways. But does any of that sound feasible,
1: likely to you? I mean, like, I've heard from some people, like, God, when was it? I forget the year. I and think...
0: I, I have no insider info. I'm not asking you to divulge any yeah.
1: of Yeah, like, I've heard some stuff here and there over the years... And, like, as far as, like, Guild Wars 2, so this this was not information that I got from anywhere other than, like, people that had played the game with devs before I, like, knew any devs or was in part of the partner program. Okay. But, like, apparently, like, at launch, like, they had a bunch of people on staff at launch and, like, whenever, up to launch, sorry, developing the game, they had a lot of people. And then, which I think might be the reverse of what you had potentially suggested, okay. they had a lot of people. And then, whenever the game launched, like for the dungeon team, like they disbanded the dungeon team at launch and immediately, like, rolled them over into what would end up being the living story team. Mm-hmm. So, like, um, one of the dungeon devs, like the lead dungeon dev basically became one of the like living world guys. Uh, Uh And so like, and they basically just like didn't touch dungeons again outside of like fixing some stuff. And then they added like aether path through the living story. Right. Arbor, Yeah. And then like after that, they were like, wow, dungeons are a mess. We should never touch this again. And then they haven't. (laughs) But I guess all that is to say is my understanding is that they had a lot of people. And then whenever the game launched, they just condensed and cut. A whole bunch and are like cool things we don't need you anymore by that that's if my so. thinking too
0: so I I, yeah. I I wasn't speculating much about the state of the studio before get the release mm-hmm. yeah like the number of people you may need to make a video game grows the closer you get to actually having the product out there and then yeah. once it's out like you can yeah. make a change right so
1: yeah yeah um but like i've i've kind of in the back of my mind like selfishly like hoped that there would never be a guild wars three because i don't want to have to do all this progress that i've made over again you're attached like, to your I, character I, yeah exactly like i'm attached to my account and i'm sure that like if guild wars 3 came out and i started playing it i'd probably enjoy doing all of it again uh-huh. it's just the thought of like having to right now and i'm like enjoying this game even though i don't play it anymore um but i don't know like i've thought that in from some of the stuff that i understand as well like there's some knowledge that i've acquired here and there and through various sources that mm. basically like they've had to rebuild the engine like or at least significant portions of it yeah. like more than once. boy that's rough. to add so like here's here's like an example that like may still work because it's like old instance content mm. but so like gliding requires you to be able to move independent along an X, Y, and a Z axis. Mm-hmm. But like, if you would go into a raw story mode and maybe this still works, maybe it doesn't, I don't know. I haven't done a long time. You'd go on an airship um, and you would drop like a warrior's banner down right on the airship. The banner would, it would go slide away. off the back. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So like, I don't exactly know how that interacts with, like, the movement and everything, but, like, in like, also with opening, like, vendor items. Mm -hmm. Like, whenever you open, like, a Black Lion merchant or, like, just to open that little window, what it's basically doing is it's spawning, like, an invisible NPC inside of you. Hmm. Like, inside of your, like, the pixel that your character... Oh, my God, what the fuck? My backup script is running, and now I have a command prompt on my screen. Okay, it's gone.
0: They found you. It's time to get out of here, man.
1: All right, bye. But, uh, <laughs> um, so like, there's there are a lot of little quirks like that that they've had to redo. And I remember at one point, someone, <laughs> someone found a way to get into Super Adventure Box when they definitely were not supposed to be able to oh, get into Super Adventure Box. Uh huh. And the physics from what was communicated to me were completely busted and just did not work. Because this was like slightly after Heart of Thorn, like Super Adventure Box, like didn't come back for a while. Oh, long. that's right. So, so, this is before it was, it was like, revitalized. Mm-hmm. And basically, the physics were just broken. Uh-huh. And like, it didn't work. And so, like, I don't, like, I can't even imagine the stuff that they've had to do. Uh-huh. And, like, there's probably just been so much of that that has, like, they basically built the game got it out the door. Like there were a lot of bugs at launch, a lot of event chains that didn't complete a lot of like loot tables and stuff that weren't hooked up to chests, yeah. a whole bunch of stuff. And so they probably basically had to just remake the game mm-hmm. like after the game was live. And maybe now it's in a state where it's modular and they can like push that over to a guild Wars three and have something polished. I'm sure there's still so, a lot of gore, man, but yeah, you're right, sure that,
0: we've seen a lot of new tech, like, uh, yeah, you you even mentioned the how janky the airship worked in the uh, a raw story mode, but there's an airship that flies around the uh, Dragonfall, which is the map for the last season four release, and I'm pretty okay. sure that it had it like fixed that, like it acts the way you should. Like if you put a banner on it, it flies around on the ship, it goes with it. Um, so they have that technology and a whole bunch of other stuff too. Like and one of the things I. I um, always appreciate is is when we see those new technologies come in because i know that when that happens that we've given the designers new toys you know new things to play with and Mm we we've we've knocked down some can't haves because that's the eternal problem like a designer can come up with a great idea but if the technology can't support it then eh. yeah Mm -hmm. okay so yeah um well tell you what uh preston um I would like to take a half-minute break. Um, I have been sipping on caffeine this whole time, and now I needed to leave my body. Yeah, fair enough. I'm going to go do that. We're going to take a quick uh, five-minute piss break, and we will be right back with more Preston, Brazil, Guild Wars 2, and maybe some other stuff.
1: Yeah, whatever you want to call me.
0: (laughs) All right. You're right back, Okay, And we're back, as promised. So, (sighs) Preston, you and I have been like, hashing it out for the last little bit, like we loved Guild Wars. Guild Wars, you know. Eventually, we kind of maybe fall out of love with it a little bit. Like I have my own story of tapering interest too, although with with fewer um, fewer uh, videos calling out the, the developer personally. Uh, but um, like, I want to talk to you about, if I can, not 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 like not what's going on with Arena, not like state of the game, but like about you. Like so, like. You, you told me that that for you Guild Wars 2 really helped you kind of get out of a rough place in your life where you just weren't weren't super happy. you were say so you were depressed and lonely and Guild Wars 2 helped you connect with people. so what what's it feel like to have something like that that feels like it's going away?
1: Uh, to be fair, like part of why I was really angry about like guild wars 2 was because i felt that it was going away and by the time like i had quit playing the game like i didn't feel anything about it anymore really because it was kind of like that it was it was gone already so like i don't know like whenever i quit playing like i felt free from you know the like hating the game and like wanting to like it yeah exactly um so, I don't know, like, it just, I moved my own way and went to do other stuff. Um, invested a lot in real life. Whenever, by the end of my Guild Wars 2 career, I weighed about 415 pounds. Oh, nice. And, yeah, Talker. you know, big boy. And I looked <laughs> like it, too. Like, you go watch those old tea times, like, I look like a disaster. Mm. And, like, right now in my current state, like, I'm... Um, a lot heavier but like there was a point in time like there's the selfie that i have that like i look really attractive in it like not trying to toot my own horn or anything uh, but i look good yeah yeah like, I, lost, I got down to like 215 pounds it felt really great um that's a huge difference yeah and like i had a good i had a good job like i had a relationship at the time that i was oh. like pretty invested in and like things were pretty good but like i was working for an insurance agency and like the job mm-hmm. itself was like all right mm-hmm. um and like i guess we've gotten off a little bit from guild wars 2 but like you know life's it, yeah yeah like i don't want i don't want to stare Warfare. too
0: deep into the abyss you know like yeah, yeah, you yeah. can live there that's not a healthy place to be and i think part of your story is that you found a way to get out of it and something yeah. i can relate to too
1: yeah but like yeah like it felt like it was going away Mm -hmm. while i was still playing and then like i quit playing guild wars 2 and i felt really good about quitting guild wars 2 and like you know things were looking good you know life was going great i was in really good shape like girlfriend losing weight good job that's 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 good stuff right there yeah and then i realized that real life is not exempt from having problems either so like um need a patch yeah okay it yeah like so my relationship ended up you know ending which was unfortunate Mm. i realized that little caesar's had pizzas for five dollars and pizza made me feel really good yeah um in like the insurance agency that i worked for like the guy that ran it inherited it from his dad and his Mm. dad was very good he was a great businessman like had had the same clients forever. He was a good guy. His son was. I can sum up his character by quoting something he said: "Preston, I liked being married so much I did it three times." <laughs> and so that's the kind of guy that you know I worked for. And okay. he didn't really have much respect for me outside of he thought I was his bro and he could tell me about a bunch of fucked up stuff that he did that he was proud of. And like, you know, like that started to weigh on me a little bit more. And the thing that kind of broke it and the thing that like kind of just changed my whole life was like the office building we were in was 20 stories high. And we worked on the 20th floor on a corner office Mm -hmm. overlooking the bay in South Texas. It was a beautiful view. And I was in his office helping him out. Like I did IT. I was helping him out with some shit sure. one day. And he was like, I really hate that all of these homeless people out here are ruining my view. <laughs> and I'm like, really? You can see as far as the horizon goes. And you can't see homeless people unless you go to the window and look straight down. And they're ruining your view. I'm just thinking all this. Like, really? <sighs> And like, there were a lot of homeless people. Like I lived in Corpus Christi. Corpus uh, Christi is like a little rough, but like also like, it's okay. There were a lot of homeless people. And like, I never paid any mind to them really. Like for me, they were just always a part of the landscape. Mm. Like they were just a feature of the city. And then like, so there was something perversely humanizing about that. Mm. The like disdain and like hate and contempt that he had for them that they were just ruining his day just by existing.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And so like I got something that just kind of like clicked something in me and I became very unhappy after that point because it made me aware. Like I'm thinking, fuck, like things are okay for me. I'm like slightly unhappy and things have started to fall apart. Mm. But like I'm in a good position in life. And so like I became... Very conflicted about a lot of stuff and withdrew back into Guild Wars 2. Huh. And I was like, I need need my hiding place. Yeah. And then, like, things ended up not working out in real life. Like, I exited that job, got really sick of it, um, left, and moved away from Corpus Christi back to Denton where I was where I had left from to go there. Okay. And so like, this is in Texas, by the way, in case people aren't familiar with this, but like, and things were just kind of like, I kind of quit playing Guild Wars two again, like was trying to like figure out what to do with myself, Mm. like gaining weight back. Like I was just like kind of lost for a while. Um, and while I was at the insurance agency, like I picked up a camera and really started enjoying taking pictures. And like it started to, like, I've had difficulty keeping interest in anything like my entire life. And you mentioned you move to stuff and stuff, you get bored of things. You like to. Yeah, do yeah, that. yeah. Uh-huh. And. So far, cameras have been the only thing that that has not happened like taking pictures, okay because it's a way for me to express things that like I don't know how to express otherwise mm. And they like looking through a camera and seeing what's on the other side of that helps me see things in a way that's just different. like you look through it and you're like, I'm looking at something like what is this? How can I take this little? moment of reality and make it into something and show other people. And it's really Mm -hmm. cool. Mm -hmm. So like I made a few attempts to like do photography full time. All of them failed because of anxiety and various other things. Like this is also just like a little bit about me too. Okay. Like I've dealt with anxiety and stuff like that. And like, it's very easy just to say anxiety, but like, I used to play Yu-Gi-Oh and the reason I started playing Yu-Gi-Oh was because I was existing at home doing nothing but playing Guild Wars 2. Mm-hmm. Like I hadn't left the house in two years because I was afraid to go outside. Oh. And like I was afraid to get in my car and drive because like I'm going to have a wreck like something bad's going to happen. Like I sure. can't do it. Sure. Like it's just safe to stay in. So I was like I need, how the fuck do I find an outlet where I can get outside and go talk to people and meet people? I could yeah. play Yu-Gi-Oh because the people that play Yu-Gi-Oh are weirder than I am. True. That was my thought, and that was true. You were, right. and so like I would, I would go to Yukio every Saturday, and every oh. Saturday I would have to pull over to the side of the road. Sometimes more than once, open the car door and throw up because my anxiety was so bad that it just like, like my body couldn't handle it. But I made myself go. I just, like there were a few times that like I couldn't manage to do it, but like I went and it was awful. Lots of panic attacks in there, like lots of just horrible, awful shit and I don't know, like that stuff. resurfaced. did it. Resurfaced. Yeah, I did it. And like that stuff resurfaced with photography. And like, I ran into problems right. that I never anticipated having. Like I would deal with real estate agents. I'd take pictures of a house
3: mm-hmm.
1: and they'd say like, these are good pictures. Thank you. Um, and that was the end of it. I'm like, cool. Uh, so that's a hundred bucks. And they're like, well, I could have just taken the pictures myself with my phone. And I'm like, yeah. And you could not sell the house. Like that's a hundred bucks. Thank you. And they're like, actually like I could give you 50. I'm like, what the fuck. And so that's when I learned like not to deliver content to people before they pay. That's right.
2: You know, that's right. I just
1: thought, that, and then I learned that people don't really like want to pay you. They just want you to give them stuff. And like, you know, you, you get to network and you get experience. You get to build your portfolio. And I'm like, fuck, this, this is stupid. So anyways, like the anxiety that did not help. Right. the Anxiety started to come back from that. And so I'm going to
0: get paid for your work. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah.
1: I found interesting ways to deal with it because I was like, how do I learn to be less socially inept? Like I'm good at talking to people on a webcam. Uh Talking to people in real life is a different story. Oh yeah. There's there's a lot more body language and context and distractions. Totally different. Yeah. So like I was not very good at that. Okay. So I thought, how do I get better at this? I should go to used car dealerships. I should pretend to buy a car. I should lead the used car salesman on, and I should study them and learn from them, and that will help me get over my anxiety, and that will teach me how to interact with people. So I did.
0: Holy shit. And And did it work?
1: Yeah. Like, I'm pretty good at talking with people now. Fuck. That's amazing. like Like, this is the kind of person, like... I'll realize eventually that there's some problem or that I'm facing some difficulty Uh and like, I'll realize in my head, like I can either just fucking give up and I can just like deal with life and life can be shit and I've lived through enough shit, whatever, or I can fucking like go try something. Maybe it doesn't work, but I tried. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: And so that's just kind of like, yeah, you know where I went with that. Um, Feel free to like interject or, Oh, any i have a it's few stupid. thoughts
0: but this isn't this is an incredible story like yeah it's actually um it's really interesting you mentioned anxiety um i talked to uh, a streamer a couple weeks ago on the show um who is he actually is formally diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder and he described a situation that sounds a lot like yours like goes through the periods where he can't leave the house pukes a lot like just he got insul insolvent to a situation once where he literally would not leave his aunt's house because he was he had so much anxiety. Like he wouldn't leave her side. Like, like it's serious. Um But I think I, I your story about how you kind of kind of um applied a method to dealing with it is remarkably it strikes me as being remarkably self observant. Like to be able to understand that. If you just keep doing what you've been doing, or keep doing what feels safe, that you'll never, you'll never solve your suffering. You'll never overcome your suffering. And you have to try something. And the key to trying something is to do it even if it sucks, and to try it out for a little while. So the UGO you mentioned, the used car dealership thing is is, is it blows my mind because that's like that's the kind of thing I think like you see in a rom com, like
1: like aren't it? yeah, with, with me. Like with me, there's no, like on a scale of one to 10, there's no three, four, five, six, seven, and eight. Uh-huh. There's like one, two, nine, and 10. Mm-hmm. Like those are the only numbers that exist on that scale. Like I'm either doing like literally, like I'm either inside, like I spent years of my life inside the house in bed with the lights off for 14, 15 hours a day staring at the ceiling wanting to die. Jesus. Like because my depression was that immense and insurmountable and things had happened in life that broke me. And so I did that. And like Guild Wars 2 is what pulled me up away from that. Yeah. It helped a lot. And then like slowly and gradually I've been able to get away from that. You like like it, it sucks. Yeah. And like it's just oh like for me, it's just like I exist in a situation that sucks for a long time, and eventually, I just get really mad about it. Mm. I do something crazy to get out of it—not uh-huh. crazy in like a crazy in like a really intense and powerful like yeah. the type of thing. Not irresponsible;
0: you It's very direct yeah. and motivating.
1: Yes, yeah. it's yeah. like let me find the best way to do this, and I'll just do it. I don't need baby steps. I'm just putting the big shoes on and yeah. going for it. Yeah. And so, like, he min max that shit. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> but uh in like I don't like I've dealt with a lot of stuff in my life and like part of what I'm doing now. Um like I got into automotive photography for a while and was really into that. Okay. And like I like cars. Like I like speedrunning dungeons, I like driving really fast and like mm. my whole family, like hot rods, drag strips, okay. like back roads at three in the morning. Like that's like the kind that's, of family. i come hell from. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. And so like I've liked cars um, and I thought, you know, um, people take pictures of cars and people get paid money to do that. That'd be fun. Mm-hmm. So I tried to do that and then realized two things the situation with the real estate agents was exactly the same. Like it didn't matter if you took a good picture of someone's car, they didn't want to pay you with it because they wanted to post it on Instagram and mentioning you in the description was good enough payment. Fuck that. No, it's not. And also they were willing to actually pay people, but the pictures I saw people pay for were absolute dog shit. And I didn't (laughs) understand. And then I figured out people don't actually care if the pictures are good or not, they'll pay you to sit there and ask them questions and talk about their car for an hour.
0: <laughs> He's one
1: a friend. Then, yes. <laughs> so like I've taken pictures of people's cars that are really good and I've not made any money from them because the person's like, well, I don't, sorry, bro. I don't have the cash. I just spent $700 on parts. And it's like, you could spend $700 on parts, but you couldn't pay me a hundred bucks to take some really nice pictures that you'll have forever. Okay. Like you couldn't even pay me 60 bucks because I was willing to cut you a deal. Okay, fine. But like suddenly you start asking somebody questions like, Oh shit, bro, what kind of exhaust is that? I've never uh-huh. seen one before. Uh-huh. They're like into it and they're like, yeah, where do I send the PayPal? It, huh. and it's weird. So like if any of you are trying to get into photography, like it's literally like it, I would go so far as to say like, If you can put a camera, like if you can get a camera and get a decent lens and just set the camera on full auto and just like take pictures and have no clue what you're doing, Uh if you can do that, but you're really good at talking to people and making them feel special, you could be a successful photographer. Like yeah, people would they don't care if the picture's good or not. Like that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. No, I think you're right,
0: man. Like I've I've seen that in my own experiences and in the tech business. Like sometimes the sale is not a It's not about the product at all. It's about the people. Do you like each other? Um, And if you don't like each other, it's really hard to overcome that. Uh, But that's a a pretty cool life lesson you you, you stumbled into there.
1: Yeah. And so that left me feeling very unfulfilled because, like, to me, it's an art. It's something I want to be good at and Mm. something that I want to master one day. And, like... uh, if I take good pictures and no one cares that the pictures are good, like whatever, like there's some satisfaction in knowing that I'm good at it. Mm-hmm. But like also if the pictures can communicate something meaningful, I find fulfillment in that. Mm-hmm. And like, I, when I lived in Corpus Christi, after i had that conversation with my boss about homeless people being an eyesore to him. And I hated it. Like yeah. I got really like, I was like, I want to take a picture of, homeless people like and i was terrified to do it i was terrified just to like like i put a zoom lens on and would try to like zoom from across the street and like frame it poorly because i'm like i could be here for like two seconds and someone's gonna see me and oh no fuck and like i'd run away and like then like this was at the end of my relationship like the end of my relationship was going to hawaii with her for a week which is like, you know, it was probably about two weeks. Which is like, that's like the cool part of a relationship. Yeah, it seems cool. But like, basically, the entire time we were there, we kind of just like figured out that the relationship was probably going to be like done. And that mm-hmm. we were probably going to go our own separate ways. And like... So it was mutual. That, you know, I get like, I mean, I didn't want it to be. And like, I tried to like make things work. And she kind of like, tried to like, I tried don't know, to go with whatever. It. Yeah, but it just didn't work, and we didn't, hmm. like, it, it It just needed to end, and so it ended. But I went out in downtown Honolulu with my camera with a 35 millimeter prime lens, and I was like, I feel really anxious, but I'm going to walk around, and I'm just going to take pictures. I noticed something, and I saw, and like, I see Pibble in stream chat yeah. right now saying that you're a ex-homeless person, which I'm glad that you're an ex-homeless person. Yeah. Um, it was very, like, I just Dark started to notice. For the, he helped me yeah. o-
0: overclock my RAM recently. So he's oh. my 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 tech angle on
1: overclocking. <laughs> the first time I tried to do that, I broke my Alienware laptop. What? The day I got it in the mail. The first thing I did was overclock the RAM, and I broke it. <laughs> before I even, <laughs> like, loaded the operating system, I went into the body, Anyways. Did you call a pro gamer, three, it was, I, Yeah, it was great. <laughs> stupid but like i noticed that they're fucking they were people uh and like for me like up until that point they had just been a part of the city and just something that was around right and like i'm looking at them through like a viewfinder and a camera and like looking at the move and looking at them just stare off into space and like i walked up to a guy and just talked to him for a little bit Mm -hmm. i asked him hey man can i take your picture and we just talked i don't even remember what we talked about like i don't remember his name Mm -hmm. But, like, that was very – it was a very powerful experience. And, like, that inspired me. I'm like, fuck, I love street photography. Like, I'm going to just see what I can do. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm just going to take pictures in black and white. I'm just going to see, like, what I can crank out and if any of it's good. And, like, some of the stuff that I took is some of the best stuff I think I've ever taken. There are a couple pictures that I think are phenomenal. A lot of the stuff was just absolute trash. But I (laughs) thought it was really good at the time. Uh Um, And – Like, it was just me, like, with the thought of, like, the relationship being over and, like, hating my job and, like, having my whole, like, worldview, like, shattered into pieces. Mm -hmm. And, like, just walking around with that damn camera. And it's just, like, fuck. Like, the world is much bigger and it's got a lot more problems than I've thought about. And so, like, anyways, like, I got back to Corpus Christi. Like, was really, like, afraid to get involved and do anything, but I was really curious. And then, like, I got back to Dallas and didn't really do anything, like, for a while, but it had been in the back of my mind. And, like, Mm -hmm. I went out and, like, dabbled in street photography, a lot of cars and, like, other stuff. Didn't find anything particularly fulfilling. Um, so I went out to downtown Dallas one day and walked around and saw a bunch of broken people, Mm -hmm. um a bunch of people that didn't have anywhere to go. And I just spent some time talking to some. Um, And then I realized I should probably get a GoPro and a microphone and I should probably like find a way to like rig that up so I can talk to people and like record it sometimes. Mm -hmm. And on my YouTube channel that I have, um, there's a video I have talking with a guy named Dallas that was in Dallas. Mm -hmm. Um, And he made a comment in that like he came up behind me and caught me off guard and i was really anxious and you could hear my breathing being really heavy but in the video he's just like man like you see all these people like they run away run away he's a homeless person they whisper and they make fun of him and laugh mm-hmm. and they run away from him and they're they cross the street when he's on one side of it he says right. man like i'm not a killer i'm not a rapist i'm not a child molester i'm just hungry i'm homeless mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, that really, like, I just kind of, like, whatever was inside of me that was built up came apart. Like, I didn't cry. Like, yeah. nothing. Like, there was no outward expression. It was just, like, the inside of me just, like, collapsed. Yeah, And I was like, fuck. Like, and the more time that I've spent out there and, like, walking around talking to people, like, it's become something that I'm, like, so overwhelmingly fascinated by it's like consuming like i work like i have a job that i work part-time and i make like no money (laughs) because like i want to like figure out like what i can do and like how i can go out there and do shit Mm. and it's just like it's like there's this whole society that's next next doors to ours and like there are a lot of bad people out there there are a lot of people that are just like they see spaceships and they'll tell you, like I talked with a guy that he told me that he sat outside of this building because like the guy up in one of the floors in one of the rooms like kidnapped his wife and he was trying to figure out how to get up there. Like I talked to a guy that said he was at the crucifixion of Jesus. Like there are people out there with problems. Yeah. And then there are people out there that just want to get out of it. And like, they don't yeah. know how, and it's just like, they're the same as the rest of us. They just don't have anywhere to go. Yeah. They don't have anywhere to sleep. They don't like, they wake up in the morning and they think like, we're going to eat today. Mm -hmm. Like some of them probably think like, who am I going to have to scam for 20 bucks? So like, I can go to the next town over, like how do I get a Greyhound ticket? Like they think about stuff that like, we probably don't think about like ever. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't think I've ever had to worry about like, Like, I've had to worry about, like, is the person at Whataburger in the drive-thru going to think that I'm fat whenever I've gone there at three in the morning? (laughs) Like, I've never thought, like, do I get to eat today? Yeah. And so, like, it's just been, like, I don't know. And it's made me think of a lot of other shit, too. Like, there are probably people out there, like, nobody ever told me that I could do anything cool. People told me that, oh, you're smart. Oh, you're going to be successful. Oh, you're going to, like, you'll be good at computers one day. Like my teachers would tell me that in high school, nobody like it was about like, you could be good at school. I hated school Mm -hmm. and like, I wasn't good at school, but like nobody ever told me that like having a camera was an option. Mm -hmm. Nobody ever told me that doing anything creative was an option. Mm -hmm. And like my girlfriend is like in the, like my current girlfriend, like I care about a whole lot. Like she and I have an incredible amount of similarities and overlap. Hmm. Where like, nobody ever told her, that like being creative was okay or cool. And so mm-hmm. like now I'm fucking thinking, like I've been thinking for the past like month or whatever, like and I saw an article from somewhere in England, like a guy gave disposable cameras to homeless people and was like, take pictures, give me the cameras back. I'll pay you some money and then we're going to put it in an art gallery. And I'm like, fuck, I could do that too. Yeah. Like I could hand people that maybe they're creative or maybe they want to learn or maybe they want to do something. Maybe they want to, make some work and sell it and like like maybe they never thought that was an option and maybe i could do something and so like i don't know all of this like being angry at guild wars 2 it seems like such a dumb thing to me now yeah but i guess that was a lot to a lot that i just went through feel free to like jump in and ask me anything or like yeah. whatever well,
0: a few things <laughs> jump out at me yeah um so first off like that's an amazing story And when you were talking about that moment of having your like, your inner world almost like collapse, when you're having that conversation, uh, that really was a, that's a beautiful moment, man. And uh, like, I think that one of the interesting thing about gamers sometimes, and I'm speaking about myself here too, um, is that uh, games really sometimes make it pretty easy for us to wrap ourselves up in safety, right? And kind of as a result and uh the downside to that is we we give over our our happiness our enjoyment to a bunch of well-meaning strangers who are making this experience you know um and uh, the logical thing to do when the experience doesn't make you happy is get mad at the people who are making it like get mad at the developers mad at the publishers i've been through my own rounds of rage about video games and i've groused publicly about guild wars 2 in the past as well but like I guess like having those moments where you reframe the the inner collapse, like what you called it, I kind not of think of it as a reframe, where you gain a new perspective and you can kind of update your mental model of the way life works. Not the way the world works, but the way life works. Um you know, I've been playing I'd played little story, little dig story. Um so at the end of twenty nineteen, I'd been playing online games for twenty years. Uh I got to the 20-year anniversary of the Christmas where my parents gave me Unreal Tournament and Half-Life and Quake 3 and, and sold it on the, the the family PC with dial-up internet. And nice. that, that started my whole journey. Um, and what a journey it's been. Um, and there's been some real highs and some real lows. And But after 20 years uh, of doing it and enjoying it, and I finally got to a place in my adult life where like, I know I, I no longer I'm gaming degenerately. Like I have a relationship, I have a, a life, I have a career, I have all these things, a family. Um, but gaming uh, still seems important to me. But why why? And uh, I had a reframing moment. It wasn't it wasn't the power of what you're describing, but like realizing I could talk to people, like like what you and I are doing right now. Realizing I could talk to people and try to find out how how we should live. Like, that's what I see this as. We're all collaborating. And we have the shared baggage of, of gaming. Um, you know, one of the things that my wife and I like to joke about sometimes is shared baggage. Like, you know, we're both big people. You know, you talked about that too. Like, all the same roads about weight. I've been down those roads. I'm on them right now too. Um, lots of other things too. We have a musical upbringing that we share, which gives us a lot of joy. Um, and uh, one of our favorite like indulgent pastimes is to come together and watch an episode of Star Trek the crappiest shittiest Star Trek as long as it's not the new ones the new ones are so so bad <laughs> but um <clears throat> I I really I just really want to thank you for 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 sharing your truth about that about that story it's so, it's so powerful and it reads to me so clear I I, I just want to relate to it um but um maybe I could ask you a couple questions about it uh yeah go for it so you said that you didn't know you could do that you didn't know you could be creative um and that you had been kind of given a told a story about yourself growing up that didn't include this i wonder if i could ask you to elaborate on that a little bit
1: yeah so i grew up uh in church southern baptist god is important go to church on sunday um And things are very rigid and my dad is a very logical guy. Like we had a rough relationship for a while, but now we're pretty cool with each other. And like, anyways, like my recollection of childhood and like the things that they recount to me, there's a lot of conflict in how they overlap and how I remember them because like, I don't know. Like, when I got into school, and like, I don't ever remember anything being fun or cool or exciting. Mm. Like, I just remember being afraid. I remember not knowing why. Like, people didn't like me. I remember being the weird kid. And like, I made the thing about, like, I made the remark about like intelligence earlier. And like, my definition of intelligence. Right. Is what is like, intelligence? The most intelligent person would be able to like, process information instantly store an infinite amount of it and access that infinite amount of information instantly and then spit it back out. Okay. And so as you decrease in intelligence, the ability at which you can store information, Mm -hmm. the pool of the information and the ability to access it and do something with it all shrink. Mm -hmm. And like, I don't feel like, I feel like my ability to extract information from the pool of information that I can store is very situational. If I'm very engaged with something, it's very fast. Mm -hmm. And like, if I'm very like, and like, I, I get myself into like, like, oh my God, like a guy like threatened to kill me when I was out downtown because I wouldn't light a cigarette. And like, I hadn't set myself up particularly well because I walked in between two buildings to mess with my GoPro. And like, I didn't notice that like there was a corner where you could come around and threaten to kill someone if they don't light your cigarette. So he's just like, Hey man, light my cigarette. And I just looked at him and like my go-to with whenever, like, I don't know what the fuck to do is I just like, look and keep a blank face and just like make eye contact and don't blink. And it confuses people and they don't know what to do because there's nothing for them to read. And they're not, they feel like they have to give up more because mm. you're not soaking it in, I guess is the best way to put it. Yes, silence. but he's, yeah, he's just like lighting my cigarette, and I just look at him, and he's like, "I'll fucking kill you," and he starts walking up to me, and like putting his hands in his pocket, and I'm like, "Well, like I just said at him, I'm like, I guess you're just gonna have to kill me because I don't have a light," and he just looks at me and he just stops and he goes, "White people are crazy." <laughs> and he just kept, going. and I'm just like, awesome, like. People have tried to like, like fucking, like Fallout New Vegas shit. Like, people have tried to bait me down alleyways because I'm walking around with like this camera rig right here. Right, right. And people are like, "Hey, man, like, can you come help me with something down here?" And I'm like, "I fucking played Fallout New Vegas. I know where this is going. It's gonna be me or you if we go down that alley." And no, I'm not gonna get into that. Street. Anyways, like, oh man, like, there's been some sketchy shit that's happened. Like, I've seen, like people get into fights like the cops have come. Like I've seen people like actually like try to stab each other and like all kinds of shit. Real shit. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Like it's like walking around with a GoPro in like the downtown of a big city. Like you'll get some things that are interesting. Like one of the videos I have on my channel, like I got pissed on by a guy. Like (laughs) seriously. it's like, yeah, he was talking to me about like, he came up on me like while I'm a camera and he starts telling me about jesus and like his drug addiction and stuff and then he's like at the end of it he's just like hey bro i gotta piss and he just (laughs) drops his pants and just starts and i'm like you
0: gotta go Fuck. cool it's just like so you you you've exposed yourself to some real
1: shit yeah my point in all of this is like my ability to like process retain and like access that information it's better the more intense of a situation that I'm in. So I tend to seek out situations that are just completely fucking ridiculous because they're stimulating to me. Uh And so like I have like in, that's all at the same time as like battling this like really shitty anxiety. So like there have been times that like I've gone out to Dallas and like, I just walk around for two hours because I'm so anxious that I feel like I'm going to fall apart and then I just leave and then there have been times where, like I've literally like walk up to people that are like yelling at each other. Like I have a picture on like on my website um, where like I have a shot of these two people like fighting with each other, and they were literally like on a screen like on a on a street corner like fighting and screaming, and I'm just like walking up on them taking pictures. And like I always shoot with a 50 millimeter prime lens, basically. So like you're relatively close if you're shooting with that focal length. Okay. And so, like, I don't know. Like, sometimes I just feel like the fear and the anxiety all go away depending on how extreme and interesting something is when it happens. Mm, mm. But if nothing's really going on, like, if everybody's quiet and keeping to themselves, then, like, it's just like the anxiety starts to creep out again. And I just hate it and I'm uncomfortable.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Like, when, 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 when the moment calls, like, when there's a highly stimulating situation, like, there's no room for anxiety. There's nothing to worry about. The worry is in front of you. Like you've coalesced the worry into an actual threat. You've, you've literally like almost like literally manifested your anxiety. That's some heavy shit. I got to think about that. I got to think about that.
1: And like, I don't also like something else that I'd like to point out Mm. is like, I don't want to make myself seem like some noble, like righteous, virtuous, like bastion of hope and humanity and everything that's good. Mm. Cause like I'm really rough like I'm pretty like blunt and honest and I don't really like sugarcoat things, but like, I don't know. Like I just feel like in like, honestly, like I don't even feel like that much of an attachment or like sense of good to a lot of the stuff that I'm doing. I just like recognize that like I could be doing good things or Mm -hmm. I could not be doing good things. Mm -hmm. And like, I would rather just try to do something good and try to help. And so like, yeah. I just want to like, cause inevitably there's always someone that says, Oh, like there are always critics and skeptics and that's fine. Like I don't have a problem with that and yeah. I invite that. Cater- but like, I just want to like, I just want to say like, I don't like think I'm like some reformed magical, like holy, like whatever you want to call it. Like, you aren't trying just to make your own horn. Yeah. Like I'm just yeah. some asshole with a camera and I want to yeah. do cool stuff and help people.
0: Here's the big assholes but, with cameras.
1: Yeah, here's my. I got a water glass.
0: I guess. <laughs> all right, all right. Yeah, man, I, I don't get the sense you're trying to do this for for show. Um, yeah. Look, um, I like what you just described about trying. If you're gonna do something, you might as well try to do something good. Um, I wonder if you're familiar with the um, the Ayurvedic term dharma. Is that is that something you've heard of before? It looks like no. Okay, I'll walk you through yeah, my maybe. understanding of it. Cause I think it's similar to what you're describing. So okay. I don't know a lot about Ayurvedic medicine or Eastern medicine. Um, I guess what I do know about it is that it takes a, more of a whole body approach towards health as opposed to like a Western, which is like, what's the problem? Zero in on it and zap it, and now you're healthy. Um, but um, in Ayurvedic medicine, th- there's this idea of, of dharma, and it has to do with my understanding of it is that y- dharma is kind of like a calling that is bigger than yourself that when pursued improves yourself along the way to improving the world around you. Like I kind of have this crazy idea that by sitting down and talking to gamers and developers and things that I can improve the way that we think about games and people and talk to each other. It's kind of this crazy little thing I'm convinced of could be true. Mm -hmm. Could not be. I'll find out along the way. Um, And for me, as I've pursued this, 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 what I hope is a calling um, I've, done a thousand different things i wouldn't have done otherwise like i take care of myself in a way actually here have a look at this this is my like ugh, i shouldn't show my license on stream Shit. let me see, let me see if, I, if i can just show you the picture on it without doxing myself can i do that no it has my signature never mind no, i'll show it. you offline i'll show you offline Okay. um but by having to show up on stream and talk to people i take much better care of myself I pursue my interests. I'm doing all kinds of things that are good for me and develop me in ways that I care about that I wouldn't be doing if I didn't have this idea, this problem, like this this irritation that's stacked up over 20 years of like, why are gaming communities and the way we talk about each other so fucked up? Like, they're honestly fucked up. If you go to Reddit, you can see it. Like, it it just bothers me. I think there's gotta be a way we can we can we can push the needle in the other direction. And it, it sounds to me like, like you're pursuing something that sounds like like a dharma of some kind, where you, you're you pulling yourself through this experience that is having some positive effect on you, but the thing that calls you isn't the positive effect. You're not doing it for you. You're doing it for like the idea, for the pursuit, for there's something bigger than yourself that you care about. And the thing that I've learned about dharma in my very non-expert way, is the thing about having something about yourself that's, that's bigger than yourself that you care about, is if it is truly bigger than yourself, the idea, the thing you care about, then you will endure suffering that you would not endure out of pure, naked self-interest. And there is utility in that because you, people are willing to, do, to put up with things and pursue things through trials and tribulations they otherwise would not if there wasn't that greater thing that was pulling them along. That that idea is one of is becoming one of the main ways that I try to orient myself in my later years. Um, later, like I'm gonna die. No, uh, as I get up into my as I get up into my upper thirties here at this point, I guess compared to being a you know, a eighteen nineteen year old gamer, I'm basically dead. But uh,
1: yeah, when you quit playing games, what's the point of life anymore, right? Right. Hard to imagine. <laughs>
0: So does that idea of Dharma, like, like, does it shout out to you at all? Does it sound, is is the way I'm characterizing this experience fair and accurate?
1: Yeah, it is. Um, And like, it's, I I don't like, I know as much about it as what you just told me. But um, it sounds, I guess you might say like familiar or like descriptive of like, I guess what I'm doing and how I'm feeling. So yeah, I didn't know that there was necessarily like a word for it or anything. Yeah. I didn't
0: know either. I, I just stumbled into it.
1: There's like man, like there's some stuff that I want to do and like I'm really afraid of it, but I feel like I need like this is ha ha, ha ha this is what the old religious version of Preston would have said was was God's calling and God's like calling uh-huh. me to go do his will. Like, you know, well, it's kinda is Richard. but like oh, sorry, I can finish with yeah, no, no, no. Um, It's like, I've been thinking, like, I wonder if anybody has ever, like, just gone and lived outside for a week with homeless people and, like, taken a GoPro and recorded the whole thing. Hmm. And, like, I'm thinking about this. I'm like, I've gone camping before. Like, I've been away from home before. Like, those aren't even close to what it would be like. Because, like, camping out in the woods with friends for, like, two days is, like you're outside like that's the only similarity mm-hmm. like you have a tent like that might be a similarity mm-hmm. but like i've been trying like for the past like 2 months i've been like running this through in my head okay like am i going to get robbed maybe yeah is someone going to stab me maybe is someone going to want my camera gear definitely mm-hmm. is someone going to try to like like all of these like horrible awful things could go wrong. And yeah. like like I don't know. Like the worst case is like somebody fucking like somebody just kills me and takes my shit. Like it's just like that's yeah. and it's game over. And like I have a girlfriend, like I feel like I have a purpose. Like that's something that I don't want to happen. Yeah. But at the same time it's like there's a problem. Like every day people end up on the street and they have nowhere to go. Mm-hmm. And nobody cares about them. Nobody knows what it's like. Like I could use my craft that I love and that I've been working on and I could try to capture something and present it in a way that people have not done. Or if Uh they have done, like few people have done it. And this is one of the things, like I've had a lot of interesting ideas about like NFTs and like art and like projects and stuff that I want to do. And I've always felt like I can't tell anyone this because they'll steal it. And this is the one idea that I have ever had that I feel like I can safely tell people about and know that they won't steal it because nobody (laughs) else is going to be fucking crazy enough to go live with homeless people for a week and record it. Yeah. And like, like you're not, I I don't think you're going to do it. Like I don't think anybody watching is going to do it. Like I don't think anybody on Twitter is going to do it. Like, is it up? Is it up to me? Maybe you're the guy. Maybe I'm the guy. And I think about shit like that and I'm like, fuck. Like, yeah, yeah. This so, is like, well, like something that also has been in the back of my mind for a long time is I have a friend who, like, his family is very successful and they've mm-hmm. got everything they could ever want. And his dad was talking to me one time, and he was like, "Man, you ever gonna do anything crazy with your life? Like, if you don't take any risk, like, you're just gonna be average forever." Mm-hmm. And I'm like. Well, no, if I just keep doing what I'm doing, like I'll get somewhere eventually, things will work out. He's like, they won't. You'll know, just be average. Mm-hmm. And so like, whenever I think about stuff like that and like combine it with this thought, it's like, there are a million things that could go wrong, but like, I don't know if I'll ever try the to do anything. truth it shouts at you though. I hear yeah, that. Yeah, it's like, it's like, this would be big and this would be good and I could make some real change with this and I could do something. Yeah. But, like, I don't learn know, something about like, yourself terrified.
0: along the way, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, I don't think I would ever be scared of anything ever again if I did that. Like, I'm already not scared. Like, fear and I don't have a particularly great relationship. Anxiety and I have a wonderful relationship with each other. It's there all the time. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, it's like fear is like, I guess the best way that I would think to describe it is like of being unsure and worried about unknowns and oh. anxiety worrying about all of the knowns that could happen that are bad hmm. and so like I get anxious but like I don't really ever get scared so like I don't know like I don't know like it could be yeah. maybe it would be a cure for anxiety and shit at the same time well, it, it sounds like being like putting yourself in scary
0: situations it's kind of like an antidote to your anxiety like it really it really it really blows it up
1: Yeah, yeah
0: yeah well but the, Go ahead. This, and some
1: stuff if you've got questions,
0: yeah. No, I'm just thinking through like this this idea you have. Um, so you've been on this path where I love the way you laid it out. Where like you had this this asshole coworker who hated homeless people, who gave you, who kind of put kind of like planted this like idea virus in your head of like this is something this is something that is fucked up. It's something that that needs paying attention to, and and sort of like you're you're loathing of this person kind of suggested to you that you should, you should appreciate something that he loathes in turn. Like there's a reaction to that. That totally makes sense. And I don't know, like I, I hazard a guess too. There probably is some like, like empathy, like <sighs> the anxiety is kind of like a, like a worrying about what might go wrong. And if you look at a homeless person, you might think that that is, that's the bottom, right? Um, you don't want to see yourself there, and so I get it. At least I think I do. And seeing it through the lens of an art, literally through a lens, um, and growing that. Like I've 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 seen the videos you've done, and when we when you were talking about it earlier, I played some of it as a as kind of B-roll when we were chatting. Okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, and uh, they're fascinating, right? Um, and I think as fascinating as it is to Hear from people who are traditionally have no voice, right? It's also fascinating to kind of see them through your eyes. like uh, the, part of what's interesting is the fact that such a thing would even happen. such an encounter would occur. Um, I'm not gonna be the one to tell you that you should go risk your life by living living under a highway for a week or whatever it is you're thinking about, but, there's something about that that I hear calls to you, and I I don't know. Like one of the things I've I've learned about myself is that sometimes like I'll I'll get attached to an idea for me um, that has a kernel of truth in it, and sometimes the the idea that I have isn't the way it actually needs to happen. It's just the way I under I can understand it in the moment. So uh, maybe that's the thing for you, or maybe something like it will be. But I don't know. Um, there's clearly something there that. Uh, I tend to, I tend to like, one of the things I've really started trying to do very deliberately, no, not deliberately, it's not the right word, uh, very consciously, let's call it, mindfully, is try to pay attention to the things that really d- jump out at me in this life. Like the little things that catch my interest, like, oh, that caught my interest. Oh, this caught my interest. Oh, this caught my interest. Let's pay attention to that. Why did this catch my interest? Um, it's, it's, it's. Very easy, especially if you have a life that has a lot of safety built into it, a lot of structure built into it, to overlook something that feels like a frivolous interest, to immediately devalue those things and say, "Oh, that's stupid. Why would you do that?" Like for me, a big part of that was um, like streaming. Like it's always interested me, like this kind of broadcast platform. I think it's really fascinating, but there have been so many reasons to shout it down um, and not do it. Um, like, literally, it's very hard for me to make time for. And it's a hard thing to, to gain, a, gain a following with. It's just not easy thing to, to be successful with. Um, but, like, the thing about those kinds of interests and things that grab at you is I tend to see them as breadcrumbs to the truth, like, for me. Where maybe it's not where I'm going to end up, but my something about me is, is speaking back to myself and saying, hey, like, this Maybe is the next step to something that will, 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 be meaningful in some way. Um, and actually, like one of the ways that take it on another level, and then I'll turn it back over to you to hear. But you, you got to say is like that's one of the things that my wife and I have done in our relationship. We've been together for uh, this will be uh, uh, twelve years since we've met, and uh, eight years since our. Sorry, is it twelve? Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, yeah, that's right um and 8 years since we uh been married and i think like, the our relationship in the last few years has kind of really been def- have, has really been informed by the mutual self-respecting process of each of us figuring out what those things we that really that really call out to us are um because it's really for us it was really tempting to just enmesh ourselves and revel in the things that we shared. And we did that for a lot of years and it was really good. But for us we got to a point where it got suffocating and difficult and destructive. And we realized, oh shit, we need to grow as individuals if we're gonna make this work still. And uh like yes, what you say is crazy,
1: but yes it also sounds right. <laughs> yeah. It's I don't know, like I've got all this shit that runs through my mind all the time about ideas and things I can do. Like honest to God, like if somebody told like, if like an organization that like helps homeless people like tomorrow, like if they got in contact with me and they said, Hey, we'll pay you $10,000 a year to walk around and like document this. yeah, And like, you have to work 60 hours a week and like, we need you to do this. And you have these deadlines. Like if they offered to pay me $10,000 a year, like I would walk away from my job that I have right now and everything yeah. else immediately. I would just do it. Like, you make, make the it. sacrifice
0: to pursue the thing the, that is meaningful.
1: The only caveat would be is if they told me I had to give over all of the rights to all of my art, I'd say, no, fuck you. I keep those. That's a smart thing. Like, yeah, that's, I'm not gonna. I've seen too many documentaries about the Backstreet Boys to ever let that shit happen to me.
0: What did the Backstreet Boys do?
1: Oh, they got screwed out of all their stuff. Like, oh, seriously? Manager took all the money. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and so maybe it was in sync. I don't. Maybe it was both of them. I don't remember. They blend together. Yeah, I'm not giving. Like, it's my stuff. Like, sorry, you can't have the rights. It's mine. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Retain ownership of your heart. There's a lot of wisdom there. So. Speaking of art ownership, maybe we can pivot um, sure. to something a little uh, more head, a little uh, less heart and more head. Um, <laughs> so one of the, one of the things that uh, I saw you tease out when you were talking on the on, on the Mighty Teapot Show tea time is that you've created NFTs for some of your art. So my understanding of NFT begins and ends pretty shortly after the fact that I know it stands for non-fungible token and has something to do with the blockchain. Can you explain to me what an NFT is and why you'd use one?
1: Yeah, so first and foremost, like the big thing that people are doing with NFTs right now is using it to sell digital art. Right. And when I saw that you can sell someone an animated GIF, it like hit this thing in my mind and I'm like... (laughs) Oh my God, I can communicate what I've been thinking this whole time in a way that I've never been able to communicate before. Uh Like, uh, let me just like dig this thing out and I'll message it to you real fast. I have to go into my NAS and like, but it's like, yeah, here it is. Bloop, Go. Okay. It's uploading. Okay. But like, it helped me. Like it, it, something just like went off and I'm like, Oh, wow. I can show people that like homeless people aren't a part of a landscape. Like I can take this and I can edit this picture that I took in such a way that it looks like it was viewed through a thermal scope and I can make it jitter and shake and communicate like the anxiety that I feel when I was taking it. Mm -hmm. And like, I can give the person a heat signature and like the rest of the background can just be plain as hell. And like, it's like playing call of duty, like looking through the night scope or whatever. Yeah. And so, like, I was like, I could make NFTs. And so, like, I've made a couple of, like, different endeavors. And, like, I have the just regular black and white of that image up for sale that, like, I think is probably my favorite picture that I've taken to date. And I think it's very powerful in its own regard. I just think that this adds a different layer of depth to it. And I've made several more, but, like, it's expensive to make them at the moment. So like you have to he actually make the token. Yes. So the way that all of this works is if I want to explain, like if you're so just like starting with the whole blockchain. Yes. The whole concept of a blockchain is that there is the best way I could put this is if you have an Excel like an Excel spreadsheet. Uh-huh. Okay. And it's got entries of people that own things. Right. So you have like a row that's like this person. Owns this. Mm -hmm. This person owns this. This person traded this to this person. Mm -hmm. This person, you know. And you just have a list of things and it just goes on and on and on. And that's called the ledger. So there is a ledger that exists that a blockchain basically, like, at its core protects. Mm -hmm. And so everyone that has a computer that's mining Ethereum or Bitcoin or whatever is part of the blockchain. They are maintaining a copy of the ledger and everyone agrees that the ledger is supposed to look a particular way. And so that's how you have consensus of ownership and consensus that someone owns something. Which is significant
0: because traditionally, traditional currencies rely on banks to do this job. Centralized Mm -hmm. versus decentralized.
1: Mm -hmm. And so like NFT is basically like a unique token that you can associate to anything Mm-hmm. It's not, it doesn't have to go to anything in particular, but people are using it to sell art in a way that art's never been sold before. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like with NFT, whenever you create that token, you're associating it to a particular digital file in the case of art.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And whenever it's traded hands are sold, you can build in a like commission percentage to that. So anytime someone sells that token, you get a percentage of the sale as the artist, as the person that created it. Oh, seriously? So yeah. Oh. So like if I become a wildly successful artist uh-huh. and the value of my NFTs, like someone buys it for two hundred bucks or like uh-huh. whatever I have it listed for, um, they hold on to it, my name gets big and I blow up and you know whatever. And then someone sells it for a thousand dollars. I'll get a percentage of that sale as mm-hmm. the creator. Mm-hmm. And then if it sells for a million dollars, I'll get a percentage of that sale. Huh. And so it's a way to generate income and for collectors to like, you know, it's just it's this cool concept but like the whole like blockchain and everything. Like the simplest way to define it is it's just like a spreadsheet that everyone has a copy of with a bunch of information in it. And everyone has to agree you have to have at least 51% of the nodes of the blockchain, like the computers that are mining something. Mm -hmm. They have to all have the same ledger and agree that it's correct. And Mm -hmm. then that determines that, you know, people own the money that they have, that the Ethereum or the Bitcoin is in this wallet, that this NFT belongs to this person. Um, So it's, yeah, like decentralized. You have there are a lot of interesting problems with it because like the way that like Ethereum works right now in Bitcoin, um, is that they have a proof of work consensus, which basically the blockchain and the ledger are protected because you have whenever a transaction occurs, it gets stored Mm -hmm. in a block Mm -hmm. and that block gets added. And that block has information about the previous block, right? And then the next block that's added has information about that block that was just added. Right. And there's a level of encryption that occurs and you have to process and calculate that and crunch it all together and make your little block and add it. Mm-hmm. And so that's where the mining comes into play mm-hmm. because you have people that are just calculating shit on their GPUs all day long to yeah, know process and yeah, and verify those records. And with proof of work, uh, consensus, people are competing to solve that encryption first. So Mm -hmm. the more GPUs and the more power you have, the better your chance of solving it is. Mm -hmm. And so you have people like Mm -hmm. the danger in all of this is that you might get to a point where someone can control 51% of the GPUs and start saying, Hey, all this money went to my wallet. Actually,
0: Yeah, here's the ledger. This is what it is. I own 50% of the nodes, so I'm the authority. It turns out I own all of it. Isn't this great for me?
1: Yeah, that's like the idea. And like, it's not unreal that something like that could happen because Mm -hmm. you have this invisible currency that the government wants to tax. Mm -hmm. You have people that want to get rich. You have all this shit happening. So, like, it was a great idea. And that they ever thought it would be perfectly secure is hilarious because apparently like everyone else who ever had an idea, they didn't factor in humanity (laughs) into the equation. And so, you know, it's just, it's, it's a fascinating concept. And like I was, there was this interview that I saw about this guy hyping it up and he's like, yeah, it's like, it doesn't discriminate. Anyone can have access to it. Like there's no financial institution that controls it all. And like it's perfect. It's it's the great equalizer for everyone. You just have to have an internet connection. Oh, cool! I just have to have an internet connection. People don't have that sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Really and, that e- and
0: and power and GPUs yeah, and and yeah. and you know devices and
1: yeah. And so like Ethereum is kind of like the big hype one. There's a lot of other, a lot of little things happening here and there, and BitConnect and all that you know fun stuff. What differentiates, like,
0: like, Ethereum from, like, Bitcoin? Like, how are they different other than being so brands?
1: Bitcoin is only about, like, processing transactions mm-hmm. and currency. So, like, it's only about exchanging money, basically. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have the robustness to do anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, there's a finite amount of it, basically, as far as I can understand. I don't yeah, know what Yeah, that's what I understand Ethereum. about it. Yeah, so, like, it's... Im- <laughs> The price has obviously crashed a little bit right now. But Bitcoin, as long as people feel that it has value, the price will always trend upwards no matter what. Right. Because people will have it on a flash drive and they'll lose it. People will spend it on a pizza. Like, all this Mm -hmm. shit will happen. The, The number of Bitcoins will always go down. Right. And so, like, Ethereum... Has like this whole concept called a smart contract, where it's basically like an agreement that gets initiated. And so, like, say you want to like make a new NFT that get that's part of a smart contract. And like, I don't know exactly how smart contracts work, but that's one of the big things that it's like signing off and verifying that like mm-hmm. some shit's going down, basically. And Ethereum has the ability to create NFTs on that network, mm. um, and then you can. Like, hook into those NFTs and you can display them on online galleries. You can, uh, like, show them off, showcase your art. Like, you can do... It's very robust, whereas Bitcoin is not. Bit Bitcoin more locked is... Down. Yeah, sending currency back yeah. and forth. Ethereum, you can do all kinds of shit with it. So can I think no, it back sorry. to the... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Hold on. I said Ethereum, no. Siri is trying to do something. <laughs> so I have to... Just, <laughs> New iPhone. Um, I don't know why I have, but like, uh... it
0: happens to me sometimes. Where, like, sometimes some, when I'm talking to my wife, my my phone will will light up. Like I've said, oh, okay, Google. I won't say it too loud. Um, I don't want to activate everyone's phones. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I always like those moments are always like, what the fuck? What the fuck? Stop listening to me, CIA man. Um, but anyway, um, so. I want to connect this back if I can to um, the art, right? The digital mm-hmm. art. So before this, you could have printed out like a, a Word document that says, this digital art belongs to this person and mail it to them. And they could have printed it out and put it on their wall, or something or hard drive. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, so w- what's changed is that now that there's this Ethereum network, which can have a decentralized agreed upon ledger of ownership and it sounds like there's also a layer with the with the actual transaction where there's a, the commission which is something i didn't know about until it, until mm-hmm. you just told me so that makes it make more sense to me because it, 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 it isn't just about the one-time sale it's about the, the future value and the resale value um why do you think people latched on to this for selling digital art is there like what what's the market for digital art like
1: is it a fad what do you what do you think a lot of it probably is, um, but at the same time, like there are people that are like, "Oh, I like I've been mining Ethereum in my basement for five years, and I have a lot of it to spend. I'm going to invest it in something. But I want to invest in art because that's what rich people do—they invest in art. And it's just like, well, there's a little bit of a fad where people are just like shitting out stuff constantly." Uh And people have a lot of Ethereum to blow and people are going to get bored of spending money and people are going to get bored of making stuff because like making art all of the time is very draining because there's emotion involved in it. And when you run out of feelings, all of a sudden it's not fun anymore. Right. And people that are creative tend to get distracted and they want to do something else and they don't care about timelines. And so they might work on something for a month and decide it's not good enough and throw it away. And then like, it's all, there's all this shit that can happen. Mm-hmm. And like, it's, there are plenty of people that are going to lose a lot of money. Plenty of people that are going to get frustrated and unhappy. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't know, like, it's definitely a fad, but I think there's a lot of value and like, there's like realness to it because people yeah. have been you know, like selling art for a long time, but like kind of back to what I said, like all of a sudden there are these people who like they're like a, a college dropout. Like they figured out how to use cinema 4d by watching YouTube tutorials. And it was something uh. they really loved. And like, they made like Skyrim mods and they learned about blender. And yeah. then they figured out, Oh, I'm creative. I can make something cool and someone will buy it. And so like, that's the beauty of it to me because like me as a person, like I could sell pictures somewhere. Like I could sell prints, but like prints on a, page don't move yeah like they're, they don't have that third dimension yeah. to
2: them.
0: yeah yeah it, it, it's We're easy trying. but the thing about non-moving art is you can instantiate it like you can actually put it on a printed page and say hey here's the whole thing i can point to all the pixels i can call all the colors are there um but when it comes to the motion you need the technology you need the device and the device really makes it hard to, like who owns it does the server own this it's it's traveling across the internet. Like. Um and you know, you think of all the, all the people who have invested thousands and thousands of hours into making memes, um, high quality memes, even there's a whole subreddit devoted to high quality uh, um, it's high quality gifts. I guess what it is, high quality gifts. Um, it seems to me like what, based on what you're saying that like the idea has always been out there that these have value. only how do you transact them? And Ethereum is like, oh, here's a way and like it probably isn't going to work long term it probably isn't perfect but it's like there's a desire to do this and finally like there's a there are complementary technologies to make it happen that's what i think i'm hearing so that's cool that's pretty hype man um i think that that's where i like find so much of my interest is like the the cross section of people and technology like what what does technology let people do and what what do people make out of technology in turn um and art too like i think uh art has this beautiful like art and technology have this beautiful like recycling cycle where it's like um and you you can point back to like uh, you know tricorders and shit from start from original star trek and look at look at cell phones i don't know if they're directly oh, yeah. inspired or not but like art inspires life life inspires art and it just goes on and on and on and on and i think that that, that process of creation um it's, it's why we'll always need artists. Unlike those people who won't buy your your you know, your car photographs, will tell you. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. All right, Preston. Well, so you have an acronym at the front of your name. This is UVW. Did I get that backwards? Is it UWV or UVW? UWV. Underworld Video. Oh, I screwed up your nameplate. Oh, you're good. Rip my face. I got it right Where's on... The- on the the YouTube though, um, and I screwed up the social media icons. All right. So before we got online, I, we were talking about how it's one of those crazy days and there's no time to prep. And here, there's a manifestation right there. Fair enough. <laughs> I'll fix it in post. It is what it is. Okay. <laughs> it's all good. Um, all
1: right. But w- what is UWV? So it it goes back years, like to the uh, wow to the uh, logo. Oh. Yeah. I came up with this, in. so I was in high school and I was in class. I didn't give a fuck about class, I didn't give a fuck about high school. Uh-huh. And I just draw shit all day long in my notebooks on homework assignments. That I'd turn in, like, I turned in a calculus test one day. I answered none of the questions, <laughs> and all that was on the entire test booklet was a picture of a caveman setting his hut on fire. That was hmm. my test, and I got a 50 on it because my teacher felt bad for me. That's but, pretty good like,
0: for the amount of effort you put in.
1: Yeah, like I fucking, like, I was like good at school. Like, I could figure shit out, but it was really boring. And like, yeah. I did other, I did pretty well on tests because I would do other people's homework for them mm-hmm. because breaking the rules was fun. Mm-hmm. But I like, I didn't care about doing mine because it's mm-hmm. like, what does this do for me? Like, I'm learning how to do it. I'll just take the test and make a good grade on it, whatever. The means are like, there, I went but not the motivation. To, yeah, and, like, I went to a private Christian school as well. Ooh, yeah, a private fit, Christian school boy right here, too. I fit in so incredibly well. I can tell. fit in just great. I you can know, so easily I'm, imagine that. Loved rules, loved church, loved God, loved, you know, praying and all that shit. He does so strike so me as a
0: God-loving guy.
1: I really, like... Honestly, unironically, like I did for a long time. Okay. And then, you know, things happen. Um, and you know, a little bit of trauma here and there, a little bit of, you know, rich kids getting out of trouble and me getting in trouble for the shit that they did and oh, just, man. you know usual stuff. That. And so, like, I don't know, like I just I just, like Came up with this design one day. Uh-huh. Like I was like, I want to make something edgy and cool and like kind of satanic, but it's fake. And so like, they can't get me in trouble for it being demonic, but like uh-huh. it looks like it should be. And so like, I drew this like double star thing,
3: mm-hmm.
1: and like I just knew like this is good, this is cool. It looks uh-huh. awesome. One day I should use it for something. And like I'm just like walking around with my camera and thinking like, I like taking pictures. Like this thing's been in the back of my head for a long time. Uh I should use it. I should use it for photography. And so I just like started like loosely associating that icon with it. Uh And like, then I was like, Ooh, underworld's cool. That's edgy enough. And also I think it represents that there's this whole facet of society. That's like kind of dangerous. And it's like right next door It's, like, down there, but nobody wants to look at it. And Mm -hmm. so I thought it was kind of, like... Oh, interesting. Yeah, very fitting. And it went with the design well, and it all just kind of, like, meshed up. Mm -hmm. And so, like, it's very, like, regardless of, like, what your stance on anything is, it's very eye-catching because it's sharp and pointing, and it's got circles and, like, very harsh lines. And so you look at it twice every time you see it. You're just, like... I dig it. What is that thing? Uh-huh. And like it's very also amusing because people that are religious get very often. Uncomfortable. Put by it. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that... that's kinda of funny.
0: How about you like that? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. So it's just kinda of like the little bit of like Well trolling. I don't know. Yeah, that like just makes me feel kinda of good inside because of this shit that I had to put up with. Mm. But anyways, man, high school is like this whole other thing. Like this this whole other topic that I could write a fucking book about. Probably
0: high school sucks for a lot of kids.
1: It does. Yeah. It's uh, I really didn't like it. And yeah. like, like I said, like nobody in high school ever told me, like people told me that I was going to be an engineer one day, that I should go to college and be an engineer. And I don't fucking be an engineer. Yeah. Like there's no fiber in my being that says engineer. like, I'm abstract. I'm creative. Like I want to work on something for 50 hours yeah. straight, and not do anything for a week. You don't want to sit in like, plot angles and make calculations. And do no, and shit. I don't want to do that. <laughs> at
0: all. Isn't it and crazy so, how powerful the stories that people tell us about ourselves when we're growing up are, I, yeah. I can, I can relate actually. Like I was, I was, I never had trouble with, with school growing up ever. Um, and I got told the story that I was, that I was this brilliant I was this brilliant kid. I was so smart that, that no one no one could give me advice because I I was just smart enough to figure out, figure out the whole world. And then uh, for me, it bottomed out when I got to a point where uh, uh, what at the time I'm, I'm looking back realized was my undiagnosed ADHD, my inability to get things done over time started biting me in the ass, and uh, what eventually led to me uh, uh, dropping out of college. And uh, but. Yeah, like, that set me back on my ass, and um, I really took a hard look at the story that I've been told about myself, and it's like, what the fuck is the use of being smart, like, if you can't get anything done with it? And I'm, I'm, I'm hearing, I'm feeling a lot of, like, sympathy for what you're, you're putting out there with this, like, the stories we tell young people are so important to them. They're so necessary for people to form their identities and understand things, and man, um, the tools to make it for yourself are not fucking obvious. So you realized you could do something creative, and when it came time for you to to coalesce something, you went back to this uh, this symbol that you came up with in high school.
1: Yeah, the double star.
0: Yeah. And uh, what? how did that materialize into um, your website, into this whole, and is this just a, a reflection of your work, or is it like a, a business? Like, what is
1: it? um like it's i think i would probably call it at this point like i have thought about like formally making it into a business but like i don't i had a conversation with sneb he's a guild wars 2 streamer as well i don't know yeah, if know you know sneb. him or not yep um but like we were talking the other day actually and like he was like we were talking about like starting businesses and like this is something that i've thought about for years Mm -hmm. like starting my own business and stuff and like i don't care about making money i don't care about being rich and successful like i care about just having an outlet to do something and to like make things better for people and he's like you should just start a non-profit like you don't have to be poor to do that like you're not gonna like you can pay yourself a salary but like that sounds like it vibes more with what you want to do. Like you don't have to be broke because you're just like doing stuff for free all day. Right. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is cool. And so, like, that would be the apex of it. Like if it turns into something, I would like it to be that. Mm-hmm. I would like to have an edgy as fuck nonprofit <laughs> where people that like don't fit in could come and volunteer and could come help. Where could come do shit. And, like, they could find other people that, like... Like, how many homeless people out there had dreams, like, at one point? I imagine 100% of them. Yeah. Like, maybe they still do. And, like, yeah. maybe all those other broken people out there that live in houses could, like, help the people that don't. And, like, it would be cool to have that someday. It's like
0: you were saying with what you learned about selling your stuff. Like, it, if you make the connection, that's, more, that's, that's the most important thing. That's the people of value. It sounds like you think you're in a position to help people connect to the voiceless, the homeless, the disenfranchised, and maybe along the way, you can find your own voice. Fuck, man, that's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. That's a way better story than Brazil, the angry Guild Wars 2 guy.
1: I think so, too. Yeah. Guild Wars 2 was a good part of my life, and I'm perfectly content to be a casual that logs in twice a month. To play with his girlfriend so they can go on an e-date.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh man, I miss my Guild Wars E-Dates with my wife.
1: Yeah. <sighs> she has been. No playing, time. Like, we've been playing like Guild Wars One together and stuff too. That is such like, a good game, man. Yeah, I got the anniversary scythe for my necromancer. Oh, that's like, hype. like slowly working towards the like Guild Wars One Reaper build. That's such a fucking cool build. <laughs> like, I don't have all of this. Yeah, it's like It's cool. Like, it's a cool game. It's interesting to think that that's, like, the same engine that they use for Guild Wars 2, and then you can understand why everything sucks. It's iPod. To rebuild it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. One of the things, like, I love about Guild Wars 1 is, like, there's something about, like, the combination of the art and the music and the pacing of the combat and the movement that is so, like... I feel like so many maps I enter in Guild Wars One. I feel like I'm walking into a cathedral. Mm. It's this weird feeling. It's almost like there's a, there's like a, like the, the wavelength of the world feels longer. It feels more stretched out. It feels more um, meditative in some ways. And part of it is, I'm sure, just the spareness because you know this was made however many years ago. But it, the game it still holds up. I think really well. That's really cool. So what do your e-dates look like? Can I ask?
1: Yeah. Um, so we talk to each other, talk about shit, like uh-huh. talk about pictures that we take. Cause she takes pictures too and she paints. Uh-huh. And so we both have this like creative overlap. Oh my God. She's, she took these like selfies that were like so incredibly like abstract and profound to me. They're just like dark and terrifying, like silhouettes uh-huh. Like her name is her name is Sarah and like I call her Dark Sarah in those pictures. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. They're cool. Um actually I'll she she would probably find this amusing. I'll send you one if you want to like throw it up on the Sure.
0: If you guys are cool with it.
1: Yeah, it's it's cool. It's on Instagram, so it may as well go on Twitch and YouTube as well. It's public. Yeah, let's find this. This is the one. Yeah, this is the one that I love. Like, I love this picture so much. Like, that is the coolest fucking selfie I've ever seen in my entire life. Oh, man, that's creepy as shit. I know. I love it. Okay. She took, like, the story behind it. And she was like, I took a picture, and I look like a corpse. And I was like, holy shit, I want to see it. And she was like, I don't know how I like this. And I'm like, I'm the master of black and white. Let me see what I can do with this thing. And so she took it, and I edited played with it a little bit. And, like, the picture on the wall in the background, like, I cut that out of the frame and, like, actually added in a landscape picture that I took on film. And so, like, that's oh, a little bit of Easter. Yeah. But... Yeah,
0: you, you guys got something unique between the two of you. I can see that. Yeah.
1: Like, she didn't finish high school. I got kicked out of high school twice. She never went to college, and I didn't last very long in college. Mm. Like... I don't know. People just gave a shit. Like we were both creative and wanted to be creative, but never thought that we could. Yeah. So just like, I don't know. Like there's a lot of some connective tissue. feels very real. Yeah. And like going on like e-dates with her, like it's like we play games and like get kind of mad at raid pugs. And then we realize <laughs> it doesn't matter because like, it's just casual shit and who gives a fuck. And so, and there's a lot of like fashion wars too. And like figuring out outfits and doing yeah. stuff. which like i i enjoy doing that way too much like i love fashion more than i actually love the game and i kind of like always have Uh uh-huh but anyways lots of games built for that so how many thousands of dollars i must have spent on makeover kits and transmutation stones oh you're the guy oh you're that guy bankroll arena net by myself. That's hilarious. They, they send me Christmas cards because I buy gems from them. Which, wow. You're yeah. you're 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 on the whale list. Not anymore. I haven't spent any money on that game in a while. Yeah, you were. But I I was firmly on the whale list for a while.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. So, when I played with my wife, I was surprised at how uninterested she was in the the fashion part of the game. Like, mm. she didn't care about it at all. I felt always felt very strange that I cared more about it than she did. But I, I think what she got out of the game is very different than what I did. Um, um, for her, like I think the draw was she wanted to be in a fantasy world. She compared it to Lord of the Rings when she first saw it. Okay, and Just being in the world. I think the world was the more important thing. Like, mm-hmm. And there's some comments I could make about like the place we were at in our life at that time. Like, So really, we just... We were we were recovering from some very stressful, arguably traumatic shit in our life, and uh, having a, a safe place like that felt really really damn good. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you said these e dates. Do you guys e date because you love e dating and you love Guild Wars, or are you guys like doing this this whole remote relationship thing?
1: So yeah, like at the moment, it is a remote thing. Uh uh-huh. yeah. Um, And unfortunately, we're in the midst of a pandemic, hopefully on the end of it, yeah, which does not make seeing each other in person particularly easy. And so, like, anyways, I live in the United States. She lives in Sweden. Mm -hmm. And I would just put it this way without getting into, like, political bullshit. (laughs) I'm not a particularly huge fan of how I imagine the country is going to go in the next few years. And so I would like to just like mm. do my thing, help some people out and then just like leave
3: mm.
1: and so, like in something else that I think would be very useful. is like, I want to do good and I want to document and I want to help out and I want to make change. Um, but I don't want to live here forever. Mm. And in Sweden, they have help like, if you are out on your luck and turned out on the street, you can go somewhere and you can get help. You can get mental health care. Mm -hmm. You can stay somewhere like they have an infrastructure set up for that. And I think it would be nuts to go from like recording people fighting and taking portraits of people like hitting each other almost and like hearing like the, like what I could only imagine would be like parts of schizophrenic episodes or something. Like, I'm not a mental health professional, but it's like when you tell someone that you were at the resurrection of Jesus, like, I don't know how else to, like, categorize that. Yeah. And so, like, I think it would be very powerful to document this for, like, a year or two years and Mm -hmm. then go somewhere and document it where it's not even a problem
3: Mm.
1: or, like, a minuscule problem. And, like, contrast and, like, that I think would really wake people to fuck up. Mm. Like, I think if people saw that, like, in some places, things aren't just, like, there aren't, like, pieces of the society that are completely neglected, like, I think that would be very powerful for people to see, too. Yeah. So, ah man. Like, and, like, also, like, at the end of the day, like, I like to keep to myself, and I think it would be cool to live alone in the snow with someone that I cared about and just take pictures of the sunset, like, whenever I'm you know, happy and feel like I've done something cool and like, I've made some change. Like I could retire to that and I would be happy with it. So I don't know. Like... That's, a,
0: that's a really beautiful sounding plan, man. Um, no, I love it. Like actually what you describe, uh, about you being, uh, have doing a long distance relationship thing from here to Sweden. It reminds me of my own journey too. Cause when I first met my would be wife, we it was via online dating. OkCupid, mm-hmm. Okay. Cupid. And we connected and just hung out and she was studying in Switzerland. Even she, okay. she's American, but she was studying in Switzerland. I was living in, uh, up in new England. And, uh, we, uh, corresponded that way for a whole year before we met for the first time. And then we lived apart for another whole year after that, before we just like said, fuck it, we gotta, we gotta do this. And, uh, I just, uh, I'm, sold all everything that I had and I moved out there to live with her in her studio apartment in uh in southern Switzerland and then uh, together ever since but lots changed it's uh you got to do those things man like 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 your your friend's dad is fond of saying um, if you don't do the crazy shit maybe you don't get what you want in the long term yeah well man this seems like a pretty good place to tie up the conversation sure uh is there anything else you really burning to talk about
1: if you want to buy my art and give me money you can buy my art and give me money <laughs> perfect <laughs> let's go
0: to the self-promotion <laughs> section preston where can people yeah. buy your art
1: uh you can go to underworldvideo.com uh, my nfts are linked on there my print shop is linked on there if there's anything that you think is cool uh being bought and that will allow me some extra time buy some more gear like i can give somebody 20 bucks that you know, doesn't have twenty bucks. Like I can do a lot of things with it. Um, so, if there's anything that you see that you like, don't feel that like don't feel obligated just to give me shit because you think what I'm doing is cool or whatever. Like if there's something you see that you like and you want it, that'd be awesome. If not, no worries. Um, but yeah, like uh, this is my website, underworldvideo.com, Scott. Got my art on it, uh, personal portfolio. You can see Sarah's stuff. She edits my mm. car pictures and some other stuff. Cool. She's, she's a wizard. She can do things with colors that I do not understand how to do. I've um, seen some of those really,
0: colors really pop on the car photos. I didn't know that that's what's yeah.
1: what going on there. That's cool. Yeah, I'm I'm good at black and white and contrast. I'm terrible at color. Uh, it just doesn't make
0: any sense. You know, I've, I've heard somewhere that women see color better than men to do with, nice the tubs, with the eyes, rods and cones I mean, or something.
1: Based on a sample size of two, I would believe
0: science. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. But. All right. Underworldvideo.com, yeah. is that right?
1: Yeah. And uh, on Twitter, UWV Preston. Sorry, UWV underscore Preston. On uh Instagram, UWV underscore Preston. Excellent. On YouTube, it's just I mean, my channel doesn't have a custom URL yet um, because I don't have enough subscribers, so mm-hmm. hopefully that will be linked somewhere and you could subscribe to that and get me closer to having UWV underscore Preston on YouTube also. There it
0: is. Throw them in a sub. But, you can search for, uh, is it your full name? Yeah, Preston think? Collins. Preston Collins. There it is. That's my name.
1: Find the man. Yeah. The man, that myth, never the legend. Thought I'd be, never thought I would be using my real name on the internet in it's, Guild Wars 2 stuff it's because scary, I was yeah. afraid... Yeah, I was like, I'm an asshole, people will dox me. And I used a <laughs> fake name for a while and like set up fake accounts and like baited people into finding that so they thought they had doxed me. And so like it's weird like actually being me. But hey, yeah. it feels good. It feels it feels good being able to associate some form of worth with myself and not with Brazil. Oh shit. So, yeah. Damn yeah, man, that, that that
0: hits right too. Yeah, that that's fuck. That's real as shit. You can feel like I need to use my own name, but my, my, my last name a 10 letter Polish disaster. Thanks. Oh Dad. man. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, My name's pretty simple. I guess.
0: Yeah. You got a good one. You got a good one. And actually, okay. Okay. This is going to be really, really weird, but there's one story. So like I probably should tell this at the very start of the interview, but I'm gonna tell it at the very end for those people who were, who got, who got through it. It'd be a little treat. Um, so uh, part of me, Preston, found myself surprised to be inviting you to this. And I'll tell you why. It's because um, there was a time where I had a hard time hearing what you had to say about Guild Wars 2, about stuff. I even went so far as to send a, letter, a note to Mighty Teapot on Patreon to let him know that I wouldn't be supporting him because I didn't appreciate your attitude on his show. Hell yeah. I totally forgot that I did this until the other day. <laughs> I was like, uh, uh, when I was thinking about this, because, but then like, what really, what really, because I, I've been thinking about who I can have on and talk to. Um, but what really solidified to me the need to re-invite you on was hearing hearing you recently come and talk about like, what you've been doing after the game. And like, exactly like I described it in the, the tweet, man. It's like, life after gaming. Um, I think it's a really cool story. I'm really flattered that you'd share your truth with me and, uh, and, um, I wish all, um, gaming assholes out there to find the same thing that you're finding and, uh, figure out what's, figure out what's good in life because it ain't easy, but it's worth a lot when you find it. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) I, I love how you delighted. You were delighted that you upset me. That oh yeah, so fucking I, Brazil.
1: That's <laughs> like people don't. This has always been a thing, and like I've been honest about it the entire time. But like when I tell people, like I don't care what they think about me, uh, and like I don't care if they hate me. They're like, oh, you have to care. Everybody cares what somebody thinks about. It. Everyone cares when somebody hates. Me. I don't give a fuck. Like shit I've lived through like Mm. shit that I've seen. Like I don't have the capacity to give a fuck about somebody leaving a YouTube comment that says, "you're fat kill yourself. Like I don't Mm. care. Like they're bigger fish in the water. Like I don't give a fuck. Sorry. Like you're not that like it's, I like when people are like, just like direct and tell me like, yeah, I didn't used to like you or like, I don't like you. I Uh still hate. I'm Uh like, like that's cool. I respect that. And, like, I've just, like, let people know in the past, like, on Reddit and other places, people are like, fuck you, your ideas are stupid. I'm like, I'm that's cool. Like, Thank you. I'm totally fine. <laughs> hey, you have but nice day think- Yeah, like, I don't mind. Like, it doesn't bother me. Like, the whole, like, I'm very big on, like, freedom of speech and freedom of expression. And, like, I like to be an asshole sometimes. And if I'm going to do that sometimes, that means that other people necessarily have to be allowed to also do that sometimes. So, like, if my feelings get exposed and my ego is vulnerable, like, that, so be it. Like, if we're going to be free, that's the cost. Mm-hmm. And so, like, maybe that can go a little bit too far sometimes. Yes. Yeah. At the same time, like, I value the ability to say what I think needs to be said. And, like, I respect that other people should be able to do that, too. So, yeah. I don't know. It's just, you know, a thing. Well, I,
0: think, uh, I think the utility and... In- being an asshole and being okay with it is you give yourself permission to say things that are true, but that aren't generally accepted yet. And if you're doing it right, you're, you can be ahead of your time. It's kind of like, uh, like the jet, the court jester, right? The jester can say <laughs> things that no one else can say. Yeah. Um, and, uh, there is power in that. And, uh, yes, uh, is that, as you said it, Preston, I definitely did not like you, but I, can say I've totally changed my mind and this has been a really fun conversation. So thank you. And, uh, for everyone watching, I'm Deeg, uh, TV on Twitch, uh, Deeg on YouTube, um, like subscribe, smash all the things and find this man on UnderworldVideo.com. Buy his NFTs so that he can make the legendary armor video part five. Yeah,
1: I'll make it. I will unironically make part five. If someone buys an NFT, there I'll it is. It. Yep.
0: All right. Well, um, thanks, and uh, I think we're done. Okay. Thanks, folks. I'll catch you next time. Bye.
1: Bye-bye.